brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. This is the In This League Fantasy Podcast Network. In This League Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Online at inthisleague.com. Now, here's your hosts, Bogman and the Welsh. What's up, friendos? Welcome into the In This League Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We are back this week, and we've got a great one for you. John Legaza, formerly known as MLB Moving AVG Averages, is joining us for the most difficult players to rank and value. Use it either way. It's kind of designed around us for ranking. You might not rank, but it's guys on value. Guys are going to be all across the board. Sometimes you just wish you didn't even have to think about them. Bogman, myself, and John have put together a list of players from first rounders to later that are just really tough. And this is a, a, a Bogman idea that we even push further. John was kind of talking about this, and I like the concept of this because this gives us a chance to hone in on some players that are volatile, if you will. There's a lot of you know hey, sleepers and breakouts, but like these guys are tough. These guys are tough to figure out what you want to do with, and there's a lot of conversation around them, and that is what we got with our boy John today, Boggs. Yeah, I finished my rankings this weekend. So um, while, as I was doing that, we were kind of uh, talking about a show this week, and uh, figured that would be uh, pretty solid, a uh, pretty good one here. So, how do you feel with the ranks done? Do you feel the weight off your shoulder once you got them, or now <laughs> do you feel the stress of, oh yeah, now I have to redo everything that I just did. I have to rechange them now that I got the first. Draft no, done. I'm I'm gonna try to keep on it like at least once a week, so I don't have that jump up. Like you know, pick a day and go. Okay, I need to make my rank adjustments off the news yeah. this day. Obviously, spring training. There's much more. There's injuries happening, and when pet, uh, catchers and pitchers report. We'll get those guys as well. But um, yeah, it's kind of a load off. But now I got to do draft rankings for the NFL draft. So it's yeah, you know, it's how that's how there's always goes. something to do for us. So yeah, there's, it never stops. Uh, if you guys are wondering and wanting updates are coming this Friday at in this It is a brand new month. Today is a day February 1st. You guys did a killer job and hat tip to you, by the way, for all the people that joined up with us on the Patreon in January. I don't know what it's going to look like yet on what kind of down ticks, but I hope we come back up and more people come and join us because coming Friday, the redraft ranks for me and Bogman will be up. We will have the full rank update. 
Plus, I've got Prospects Dynasty also coming up. Those are going to be updated this month, probably not on Friday, but maybe Monday or so. So you're going to have the full throttle go. Dynasty Prospects Redraft Tiers we do. You guys can get those, and you can check them out where we update them at InThisLeague.com. You can also get up in the Group Me rooms. We'd love to have you in there. We uh, set up any of our mock drafts in there. People are setting up leagues. A lot of good information. There's always talk going on, and we have lots of different rooms from baseball to football to entertainment stuff to cards and collectibles, movies, whatever it is. Think of what Discord is for many people, and that's essentially what this is. I believe yeah. GroupMe was around before Discord. We've used it for a long time. It's just another version of it. It's what we use. There's cool stuff we can do with it, and we'd love to have you, and you guys are supporting In This League when you do it. InThisLeague.com. Come and sign up today. InThisLeague.com. There's even um, uh, merch codes you can get if you're at like LT level or above where you can get some of our new stuff. The Prospect One hat. We've got some of the ITL gear, and you can get some discounts over on those. Also, want to tell you guys about our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Why do you care about Underdog? Well, because it's best ball season, and we want you guys to check them out using our promo code ITL. Now, later this week, on our, uh, I believe we're going to probably do it on the wheel on Friday, we are going to be spinning the wheel for the people that signed up in January using our code, except I'm going to tell you this. All the people did not send me screenshots of their deposits. So this is going to be a small wheel. This is going to be a great opportunity. You still have a couple days to do it. If you deposited in January, you just got to email me or message me or something and show me that you deposited and I'll put you on the wheel. We're going to spin it and that person's going to win a couple shirts. Plus uh, the first 10 got best balls. What does that mean for this month? We've got a brand new giveaway using our promo code ITL for all first depositors. So you do your deposit. You're going to get a hundred percent match up to a hundred bucks. If you send us that you did that, we are going to be spinning a wheel and one person is getting a prospect one hat. Now I will tell you, I don't have it yet, but if I have the stuff for an in this league hat done, I will give you the option of which hat you want if it comes out and it works out. So you could in theory get either an ITL or a prospect one hat on us that we'll send you. Worst case, it's going to be a prospect one hat, my uh, prospect show, and we'll spin the wheel. So not only do you get your match deposit, you just got to show us that you did it and you'll be invited in and you will spin the wheel for the month of February. So month of February, free hat. Plus on Monday, we are going to be doing another best ball and uh, we're going to be doing them on Mondays in general. I think we'll probably do it for this Monday and anybody that signs up, we will give you direct access to it and then we'll kind of open it up on our Patreon to anybody else that just has... Um, uh, underdog and we're going to be doing that on our twitch on monday another underdog one so you deposit you get direct access to join it uh using promo code itl underdog fantasy download the app come and hang out with us and we'll be very happy and they got a bunch of other cool stuff going on and we'll tell you about them later underdog baby we're gonna draft i have a i'm gonna implement my new strategy and we'll do it live on our twitch twitch.tv slash in this league at 7 p.m eastern on the monday bogs uh my voice is, is, is that is that top tier players is that the new strategy outfield all outfield uh all just out 20 rounds just, of outfield yep all all outfield okay it's all i like it 20 rounds of outfield now i, I <laughs> getting the first one out of the way they've also they've got like um they've got two of their bigger contests one of their bigger ones up i think it's called like the dugout let me take a look it's like their big big dog one like there's a hundred thousand dollars on the line and it's one of those multi-tiered uh best ball ones let's see mlb uh, oh, I can't find anything. Oh, because I'm on the pick them right now. Lobby. It is called the 
Uh, the Dinger, the ding, yeah, the Dinger's the big one. It's a ten dollar one with five hundred thousand dollars in prizes, and they have the warm up, mm. which is a three dollar one, twenty five thousand dollars in prizes. So I'm gonna do sign up for one of those, and then we will do ours on the Monday. Uh, voices back for the most part. Yeah, I sound much better on Friday. He uh, sounded like this. Hey, everybody, there was no doing anything. Then yeah. Saturday was a little better. It was like this yesterday was about here. And now you're getting pretty much normal-ish Welsh. Yeah, so pretty much. Yeah, we for like the most it. part. Uh, if you guys want, I'll be telling this. Prospect ones to be a little bit late this week, but uh, I was out yesterday with Tampa Bay Rays prospect Kyle Manzardo. So, and I got some cool yeah. nuggets. I'm going to talk about that. I was hanging out the whole time, and we'll have some uh, some good things involved in our Break This League events if you guys are interested in that. But I got to hang out with him for a couple hours. I got a guy as tall as me. He's tall as me. He's a big old country bred dude. And uh, if you guys care about that out there with the Kyle Manzardos of the world, uh, let's go through some quick notes and then we're going to get into uh, our boy, John, and we're going to get into the episode. A couple things as we are heading in, uh, you know, I don't see this. I'm actually going to mention this first up. The camps are going to be starting in like two weeks. I think it's technically three Wednesdays from now, but they're going to start like reporting on the 13th. I don't know if you saw this. The Padres have a really weird situation. You Darvish is going to all but not be with the team for spring training. He is staying back to train and, and do like spring training and practice. I believe in Japan, was it Japan is he was playing mm-hmm. with yeah. in the WBC. He's staying there to do his spring oh. training. And then he's coming over and doing that. And then when it's done, yeah. I guess he'll come over for the last week or two. So that they're going to be without him for the majority of the time. What wasn't fully announced though, is that they're allowing all these guys to do what they need. You've got Juan Soto, Nelson Cruz uh, with the DR, uh, Xander Bogarts, I think, with the Netherlands. Are they having tryouts? Should, are you going to go try out uh, and maybe make a spring training roster like Will Ferrell? I, I, maybe they need some live bodies. If everybody's gone, yeah, they just need some bodies, well, right? I they What I'm getting is it doesn't sound like they're going to let like Soto and Machado and all these guys just like leave, except when the camps start up, which are coming here to Arizona and they're going to be, do- some of the teams are coming here to do that. But all I'm getting at is like the Padres are starting to sound like they might be without a decent amount of players. You Darvish being the one that will not even be at spring training. It sounds like for the first month, like he'll be back for maybe the last two weeks. So I'm hoping I'm going to see Soto and Machado and Xander Bogarts, but the Padres are full on letting these guys do whatever. Well, they'll they be playing world WBC. baseball classic games uh, in Arizona and having some practices there and stuff too. Right. So, but, um, but uh, like they're letting Darvish not even practice with the, the team and they're going yeah. to stay back there. I don't know. They didn't quite clarify. It does sound like Soto and Machado and them are going to come to camp and they're going to, you know, play in spring training or whatever. And then early March, when the teams start their practices a couple days before, They'll leave, and I wonder if this is something that was in Darvish's contract. Maybe it is. Uh, I think the team just accepted it. He tweeted about it, and it's out there. But just letting you guys know, like you're not going to see Darvish. You're not going to have any news of Darvish until the WBC. It sounds like, and he'll be away from the team, whatever that means, whatever the hell that means. I mean, there might uh, be more opportunities for the Padres guys as well. You might see some more of the, you know, the Triple A type of guys getting some run. The only, the only concern at all would be an unreported injury. Uh, that that's yeah. like the only concern because I mean, this guy's a vet. He's been in the bigs for a while. He played in Japan for a long time. Like he's a vet. He knows what to do to prepare for the season. So I'm not that concerned in terms of that. Yeah. Like I said, the only issue 
that I would have would be an unreported injury if he would hurt himself doing any of that stuff. But that's, well, and, that's and really like, it for him. I kind of want, like, I hope Bogarts and um, and Soto don't leave super early because you want to see them, like, work with the team. You want to see them get rapport and stuff. And, and I'm selfish. I want to see them out there in the back yeah. of the camps and stuff like that. So that was an interesting spring training note. You should get some players that, that you don't normally see in spring training because of the World Baseball Classic, right? Uh, yeah, as far as the, those the, AL guys, uh, should yeah, come I mean, over. you're going to get like Nolan Arenado who's playing for, you know, Team USA and stuff like that. That's going to be out here is and, and out some of the back teams. See, I think it's like because they were Sacramento. last time. I don't uh, remember. I, Not all the teams I are. remember that. Yeah, yeah I think it's, Venezuela's like first, out there. They got a lot of the Altuve and a lot of like AL players. That, the first you know, qualifier is here, but there's another qualifier in Florida that has like I think some of the bigger, stronger teams. Okay, so, Miami. Uh, yeah. So you know, so some players are going to move. So you just monitor it and what it's going to do. Uh, some other news and notes: Starling Marte status for spring training apparently is still undetermined. Core muscle surgery in November, which I think has helped lead to why his ADP is lower. I don't like that. I want, yeah. I want determined. Whatever it is, I want to hear determined. I mean, if we hear in two weeks that he he's going to be fine, great. But right now, you know, like you said, twelve days until catchers and pitchers report uh, for a lot of spots. So you know, uh, the the more we don't hear, the worse it gets for Starling. Yeah. I'll say that. I agree. I totally agree with that. Um, uh, Andrew Friedman with the Dodgers—they've all but confirmed—and this is news that I love and is going to boost up that Miguel Vargas is going to be the second baseman. Now they did say he could start. But at this point, there's just a lot of possibility. They did say Mookie Betts would get some time and um, they move him into second base. But their outfield is a disaster right now that Miguel Vargas has been working at second base. And the team that the idea that he could start so they can use Chris Taylor more in the outfield and stuff is phenomenal news. If Miguel Vargas is good, what I think the key is, regardless if he starts at second base, is the team is committed to getting him to start. They have Trace yeah. Thompson and James Outman as outfielders right now and an open second base spot. This is great. This means Miguel Vargas is on Vargas track there, to be a Taylor starter. in the outfield uh, over one of those guys on an That's what they're talking pace. about doing yeah. right now. Yeah, That's what Taylor would be do, more I super think. util. So move Miguel Vargas up. He'll be up a little bit on my um, on my rank update as well. Orioles uh, GM said that they expect Grayson Rodriguez to make the opening day roster. Ooh, I didn't even see this news. Bob. Yeah. When did this one come down? Yeah, this was yesterday, I believe. And they expect him to make the opening day roster. It's just I mean, that is going to be huge for his ADP. It's going to skyrocket. You know, Painter uh, obviously started showing up the, uh, you know, right around, I don't know, pick 300 or something recently, um, you know, because of the news of him getting an opportunity. It, it wasn't, we expect him. It's, we're going to give him every opportunity to make the roster. This yeah. is, we expect Grayson to make the roster and be part of our rotation, which and is he's already pretty. 194 ADP on NFBC with a high of 142. I think about 125 is where he goes because this is still a guy that might have some inning limit issues. That are going on out there. Uh, maybe not. You know, maybe they're going to just let him go, but they might manage a little bit. But uh, most of those guys usually do. So. I, I think he's going to move. I think he's going to push into the 125s there. So that's another guy. I mean, watch spring training. That's absolutely huge. Uh, Kid to my eight apparently is going to have no restrictions uh, coming off of a TJ. That's good news. Paul Seawald might miss the start of spring training while recovering from a clean uh, cleanup procedure in his elbow and heel. I believe also that Andres Munoz is dealing with something. So both of the potential yeah. closers right now have a thing. That'll be one of the first places I'm in at uh, at the camps. 
um, I actually plan Padres and Mariners in the very first week of camp. So, I'll, you know, see what we see out there if any guys are looming around. And uh, really horrible news. Mike Clevenger being investigated. You guys probably heard about that. We don't need to get into it, but uh, for a domestic violence issue. And uh, I mean, you know, at this point that I wouldn't, not that you were counting on him, but like you can really not count on it. It's, it's, it looks like it's an ugly situation that's going to be battled out. And this has been dragging for a little bit. I, I think it's been dragging for a little bit, which makes it weird if the White Sox knew about this, like why would you even take the flyer? Like let the domestic violence thing work out, run its course. Yeah. yeah and then bring in the guy. So I don't know. I don't know if they knew or what they know, but that's going out there. Yeah, Couple I think they said they didn't know about it before they signed him. So which I, I don't mean, know they, how. they might be able to to cut him based on that too. So without paying him, yeah, I don't think there's be. any big commitment they had on him. Uh, Zach Greinke is back in Kansas City for one run. Who cares? Mm. You know, that's fine. Um, it's funny that they go off and they like move pieces and then they like come back and sign guys like Greinke. Like their outfield mm. is a disaster right now, but then they're bringing Greinke back. I don't. I think it's a very club friendly deal. So, and I think he wants to be in Kansas City. I will tell you, not a crowd guy. He likes small crowds. So he is quite the thing to watch during spring training. How he walks around. To his credit, you know, he is unabated by anybody talking to him because he'll just be rude to him. But he just walks around with this air about (laughs) him, which is so odd. I'll try to film it if I can. Uh, Josh Harrison signed with the Phillies. I know that made some people a little bit concerned, maybe about Bryson Stott. I think it's just backup stuff. Uh, James Caprillion is expected to be uh, ready for spring training. You know, the, the A's ace, remember? that's He's the A's ace. <laughs> yeah. That's the best that they have. Oh, 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 he's showing some disrespect to Paul Blackburn there, Welsh. Come all on, right. let's settle down. Uh, the A's, in all of their money-cutting moves, they ended up uh, signing Jesus Aguilar. So they traded Cole Irvin to make sure they had enough money for Jesus Aguilar to bring their roster up to, what, $8 million in invested money? Yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty sure I've invested more in some websites recently than the A's have in their uh, most recent, uh, you know, roster here. This is just you have a stronger hard drive commitment than they do players for sure. One hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I won't say that I expect my hard drive to play every day. It's definitely going to play every day. So uh, Jesus Aguilar is a big question mark. That's a wild one. Um, but, 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 but you had uh raise manager David Bell says they want Tyler Stevenson to play around 140, 150 games, which is huge. That also tells you they want him to play some other spots, first base. DH, so I yeah. think uh, DH first base, I think Joey Votto could even move into some DH spots. So they're going to get him a lot of games. I think that is another one of those things to feel very good about where everyone's paying up. We're going to actually talk about one of those catchers who's going to play out of position. Tyler Stevenson to me is still underrated, very underrated coming into this year. He might be one of the few catcher deals that actually exist in the world. And these are just pieces of news that, um, you know, that push that a little bit more forward. Rays re-signed Yandy Diaz. Actually, funny enough, I'm not going to talk about it, but it did come up in that uh, comment oh, yeah. conversation I had <laughs> that, it was, that it was brought up that Yandy had signed a contract. It was like, oh, really? And uh, Blue Jays signed Chad Green. So just a couple the last little bits of moves are happening. Like there's a couple loaded non-roster invitee teams. I can tell you the Rangers are, they're just bringing in everybody right now. Yeah. As are, uh, I think it's the Mariners, like Mariners brought in like Tommy LaStella. So these non-roster things are going to be really fascinating with some of these teams. And I'm hoping to report back as much as I possibly can. So, those are the things. This is the time, man. Up for. This right. is the time when I really miss Arizona. It's spring I training time. So I do too. I miss you out here, but I don't miss being on the backfields because I'll be there. I'll be there in yeah, like a week or two. Be there. Yeah. I'll be there. Uh, friends, when you guys are getting set up for your leagues this year, you can play on ESPN if you want. You can go over to Yahoo's app is always great. 
But I can tell you, there's one site that not only wants you to play with them, but they want to make it as easy as possible by moving over. And that is our friends at Fantrax. Fantrax sponsoring the podcast today. I want to remind you guys that you guys can get hooked up across the board because it is the number one dynasty platform in the land. The customization is through the roof. Bogman and I have done our listener leagues and are doing our listener leagues through Fantrax this year. You got, we can do our three sport leagues. I was able to do prospect only drafts through Fantrax and they have got you covered all the way through. Go to Fantrax.com slash in this league. Use our custom URL because you're a very nice person. Whether you're starting up a new league, whether you're looking for a league or you're moving your leagues, Fantrax.com slash in this league, our personalized URL. I think you might even be able to use that for best balls. Just throwing that out there. But go and use that today. Move over to Fantrax. It is the site for the people. It is all about customization. It is all about you. And you guys can make the choices today. And when you use that code, by the way, Fantrax.com slash in this league, you are automatically entered into winning a you are automatically entered into winning a Vladimir Guerrero signed jersey on Fantrax. That's pretty cool. Fantrax.com slash in this league. Customize your league and make it the most fun that you could possibly have because we love so much fun. Let's get to it. It's our boy, John Legaza. It's Bogman Welsh on the hardest players to rank in value. And we're doing it right after this. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In this league. Somebody royally forked up. Somebody forked up. Why can't I say fork? If you're trying to curse, you can't hear. Full shirt. Holy mother forking shirt boss it is john legaza back on the podcast it's johnny boy john l-a-g-h-e-z-z-a if you guys needed a little bit of hand holding to get to the name on the twitter go and follow him we always love doing pods with him and this is going to be a fun one john what is up my brother yes what's going on guys i'm so glad to be back as always i'm just and i'm really glad to really sink my teeth into baseball right as Football begins to dwindle with the playoffs. You get more and more into baseball. And at a certain point, we were talking about this before, there's 20 football tabs and 20 baseball tabs open at the same time. Now it feels <laughs> good to have 40 baseball tabs open. Yeah. That's it. You know? Yeah. The I mean, you are good. still describing my setup right now. Yeah, yeah I know. Uh, yeah, I, have, I have one half is football and yeah. one half is baseball right when now. The and I switch between. Yep. I switch between <laughs> uh, each one. I keep them separate. Yep. So. It's uh, funny. Got the I got the baseball one up right now. I was yep. doing a mock. We did a live mock draft on Fantasy Pros, and uh, we had uh, Ryan Wormley who joined us for the live mock. And 
Ryan was like, all right, you know, I've been doing a lot of football. This is my first foray. And then Joe's kind of like, oh yeah, you know, me and Welsh are a little bit, a couple weeks ahead. And I was like, I want to be like, Joey, I'm a couple months ahead of you. Don't even, don't add at me. Like <laughs> I've been doing front, football, yeah. but I've been, it has been heavy, heavy baseball. And that's the, uh, and that's actually where we're going to be going today. It's a really interesting concept that was inspired uh, kind of at the same time, actually in Bogman bringing this up. And then also a couple days ago, John had talked about a player that he was like, this guy's impossible to rank. So that is what we're going to be doing. Talking about the impossible ranks, by the way, if people don't know the evolution, it's really interesting. John, used to be MLB moving averages, MLB moving AVG, if you guys used to remember on Twitter. And it was so funny because it was like, John was like a faceless Twitter personality without the name. And then you've gone full circle where your face is out there doing, you've done stuff with The Athletic and uh, FTN. You've kind of been all over the place, super okay, smart guy. And your face is everywhere now and your full name commitment, John. Full I'm circle very, I'm very happy. Yeah, well, all of us, all of us, my friends. I'm happy that you're doing. No, man, I appreciate it. You guys are at the very core of it. I'm, I'm a fan. I'm really a fan. I'm a fan first. I'm, I'm a, I am a fan appreciate first. In the that, first man. couple, Thank dude, you. the first couple times I've worked with you guys, it's like, oh man, you're like, it's, it's just really, really cool. Because again, whatever, you guys are so good at what you do and the chemistry, and that's why people gravitate. You know, like you guys are kind of like a, like a planet in this industry of ours because you really have your own kind of pull and and your own. I think gravity. we're Pluto then. Uh, we got a we got a weird orbit. We're way out there, uh, and yeah. uh, one moan. And so. I think like also, planets. yeah. And yeah. I think also like when, as soon as people like work with us, they're like, oh, anyone can do this, and everyone's like, all right. So like, <laughs> <laughs> so like uh, you know, a planet's like, oh, you know, any planet can be a planet. Like any yeah. rock can be a planet when they're around uh, us. So they're like, okay, this I gotta is great. just start moving. That's all I gotta do. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah. I just got to rotate and I can do this. Yeah. This is great. So I just shine a little bit and have a little bit of atmosphere and we're good to go. Any, oh, anything Lordy. can be a planet. So Pluto yeah. is a hundred percent it. Um, at the end of the show, we are going to talk about uh, some stuff that's going on with John. So make sure to follow him on Twitter. Let's dive into this boys. Let's get into this because this concept is funny because it goes in so many different ways. You know, me, I do prospects. There's like guys that are impossible to rank or you don't want to rank. But I have noticed throughout this offseason, there are just handfuls of players. And even as I go, they're just impossible to rank, impossible to feel comfortable with the rank or even your own thought. You know, I, I definitely don't walk into a season and I know some people do and that's OK. Maybe this is what makes me different. I don't walk into seasons being like strutting around like uh, uh, Vince McMahon, like I know everything. I know all this stuff. No, I'm constantly evolving. Even when you if, walk you know, in like Vince McMahon, then you feel like Vince McMahon now. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So. Right. What's going on? Um, <laughs> I'm not selling my ranks to Saudi or anything. But like, uh, well, you know, I, I would if they're, if they're <laughs> shopping. I could use the money. But my point is, is like there's an ever evolving thing that happens. And there are just like handfuls of players that through this process, and again, coming back to like what I said before, I've been doing this since like November. I've been heavy into designing ranks and doing all my stuff since November. There's still guys I look at and I'm like, ah, Jesus. Like, I just don't know what to do. And then especially when you get jolted in and see the rest of what the world is, because now ADPs are out there. Now you're seeing ECR, Fantasy Pros is up to around 25 people. NFBC, you see all this stuff and it gets thrown in your face. And we have got five players apiece that we think these players are impossible to rank. And the number one player we're going to talk about is John's player, because this is what actually sparked uh, multiple reasons of, of getting John on. But I saw this and I was like, this is exactly like, like John's just with us in the exact same mindset. And I agree with this player full go. 
that Byron Buxton is one of the toughest players to rank and perceive value. So, John, I'm going to throw it to you um, because this was a guy that you were tweeting about, I believe, on Monday. So talk to us about your number one impossible guy to value and rank. All right. And, you know, excuse me, you're going to get a lot of this today, right? There's going to be obvious parts of the profile that have, you know, incredible amount of pull, right? They're going to pull us in all the kind of sexiness, but they're also going to come with hurdles, right? And I think that's what we're doing here. So, Austin, you're getting crazy production. One of the things I've been doing this year has I've been trying to become more injury agnostic, right? Trying to ignore injuries, but up to what point, right? If a guy has only had one 500 plate appearance season in nine years, and that was also the only time you only over 400, that's not great, right? There is a, you know, a point. Yeah, yeah, let me ask you on that real quick. Injury pro. Go ahead, go ahead. I like that term when you, you say injury agnostic, but yeah. I, I feel like there's a couple different approaches to that. There's the injury prone and there's the injury plague type of players. Is it both that you're becoming? It's the guys that are, this guy's injured. Cause there's a couple ways guy can be injured. Uh, take uh, Adalberto Mondesi who actually qualifies in all spaces. Alex Kirilov guys, that, Bryce Harper guys that are going into a season injured that have that injury. And then there are guys that are injury plagued that always have stuff but don't currently have something. And that's kind of where Byron Buxton fits into this mold. In, is your injury agnosticism about all of injuries, or is it more about players like Buxton who always find ways to hit the uh, IL? Well, I, I think you that's a really great descriptor that I hadn't thought of, injury plague versus injury prone. And I think I'm trying to ignore all of that, but not to, not to say I'm ignoring what you had also mentioned, the third, like, you know, one of those logic trees, like if then, if a player is injured now, I'm not interested. Like that I'm that I'm not yeah. going to be agnostic to, that I'm going to be, is it Gnostic? I'm going to be hypergnostic to that, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be hypersensitive to the players that are hurt now. Like I don't, whoever the yeah. famous a- analyst had said, right, the injuries will find us, don't invite them. I'm going to go with that. Yeah, but Frankie Montas, like Bryce Buxton, Harper. Man, he feels like prone more than just plagued, right? I would think of plagued as like incidental, right? Uh, hit by pitch, incidental, right? But Buxton has a laundry list of thigh, groin, leg, foot, hip, you know, things that would affect speed. Stanton, Stanton, you can throw yeah, in there too. He's, yeah, he always he's ends the up same on the kind, IL. Yeah, he's the same kind of player. Judge but, usually, but well, ju- yeah, Judge again, was good this one. year. Yeah, he's not healthy until they are, right? And a lot right, of players right. have done that. Now, being agnostic towards Judge did pretty well. Right. But here's yeah. the thing with Buxton. So this is the last two seasons. It gives you 636 plate appearances, which is unfortunate because that's a nice sample for one season. Right. Right. Yeah. 257 batting average, which is good, just slightly above average in the new environment. 111, 83, 47, and 15. Hachi Machi Liberace. I mean, that's why people are chasing this guy. So again, 111 runs, 83 ribbies, 47 homers, and 15 steals. That's first round return. That looks like a, you know, just short of like a Tatis kind of line. And if the twins are healthy and decent, the counting stats for the ribbies could even be better. So it's hard not to dream on the top side and also hard to ignore the hard reality of the injury. So. Yeah, and, and you look at the projections too, um, 130 games, which I think a lot of people scoff at, which is fine because he hasn't done that. Uh, he's only done that once in his entire career, yeah, yeah. so <laughs> you could scoff at it. But in the 130 games, which is baking in um, you know, 30 missed games, he's hitting 30 homers, 31 homers, depending where you look. The bat X has him at 31 homers. Uh, the normal bat projection has him at 34. 
and 11 stolen bases. So what's ironic about that is the projections this year are way higher than what the output has been on counting stats. The batting average is pretty good. And that is the crux of this is what he does. His output is phenomenal. The injuries hold him back. He has an exhausting, exhausting track record of not playing. He hasn't played 100 games since 2017, which is difficult. And he is impossible to deal with. So what are you doing with the ranks? Um, Just a couple of my Yeah, go ahead. I have an eight because, again, as we're we're kind of binning these players, a guy like Buxton I think is the most difficult, and the reason I stay away from these guys is he misses a couple days here and a couple days there, and the thing is for fantasy purposes, right, what we're doing is you have to eat all of it because you're starting them every week. A player like Trout or Stanton, they play every day when they're healthy, and they miss every day when they're out. So you kind of get the replacement value, if that makes sense, right? The risk, I feel like the risk of Stanton or Trout is lower because when they get hurt, it's almost like a real injury. They're out for months at a time. So you're afraid of the bay being in the random days well, missed. Well, Buxton, Byron they've done that. Yeah. But we've seen that. We've had, yeah. and they've been very vocal about that too. He's not going to play every day. And we're like, oh, wait, what? You know, which, which four or five days is he going to play? And now if you're an NFBC, that could really hurt you because you got one of two games in the front end. You got two of four games in the back end. That's not going to get it done, right? I mean, Buxton's good, but my point is you clogged up that spot for the entire year only getting 500 plate appearances opposed to, yeah, Stanton might only give you 425, but you get the other 150 as a supplement. So then what do you do? That That's the question. Buxton, here. those guys, I kind of, I'm afraid you could have them. And if you beat me, you beat me right now. That's, that's all I am. Okay. So, so yeah. your, your difficulty with him becomes a, I'm probably just not going to have him. He's got... NFBC 101, where his um, his min is 48, his max is 161. Fantasy Pros, he's 90th with a very similar, like 42, 124. Yahoo, who just released a little bit up, 88. Fantrax, 89. He's way low on ESPN, but they're a joke because they're based off of a points-based projection, so don't even pay attention. Uh, Bogman has got him in the nineties. I have him in the eighties. I have him a couple positions higher on the outfield, but I will be honest with you. I have swung him up and down multiple times because I battled this where you are actually working on. We'll talk about later. You're working on rankings and stuff. Where are you slotting Byron Buxton right now? Or is this one of those, like you're just taking him off the board because you'll just never have him. Yeah. It's I, I, the, the cowardice, my style of cowardice is to, lower the plate appearances to a point where I could still say, I think he's phenomenal on a per plate appearance basis, but I'm not going to get enough of them where he'll fall behind. Again, I don't think Seiya Suzuki is going to give you exactly what Byron Buxton gives you, but I think there's a much higher chance that you get, you know, 80% of the games. And I mean, he's had some injuries also. But I mean, Seiya Suzuki is not going to – I mean, in 92 games, Byron Buxton last year had 28 homers of six stolen bases. <laughs> so sick. 61, so sick. 61 games in 2021, he was 19 and 9. That's Seiya Suzuki in 60 games of Byron Buxton. That is the, that's the crux of all this. So if, but if you're trying to be agnostic, injury agnostic, but how did you – how do you, you – you're coming back to Astro. It's impossible. It but is, it, he he makes it particularly impossible. Yeah. Okay. So give me a rank. Give me give me a rank range of where you're going to have him. Yeah. I mean, it's it's probably right in line there. I, I, man, I have to fight to keep him outside of the top twenty outfielders because if I rank him in the top twenty, where he's going by ADP, I'm going to end up with him on almost every team. 
I have him at 21, so I don't have him as a top 20 outfielder either. And well, Bogman has yeah, him at you're right there, but don't you find come pick 100, he's on your he's at the top of your list? Yeah, but are you steadfast that pick 100 is the problem for Buxton then? Oh, man. The, no, to pick 100 is the temptation for me because we're talking about first-round return. Yeah, no, but that's what I'm saying. But yeah. okay, okay, I think we're talking in the same Yeah, space. yeah, yeah. You're saying like, oh, this is the temptation. But I'm like, isn't that the range? Like 28 no. homers and six stolen bases in 92 games last year. If you buy any of the projections, and even if you bring it down to 110 I, games, let's say, he's still in this range of does that hmm. production, even though it's limited, not still return top 100 overall player? So that do you get what I'm saying? Like you're saying I'm tempted, but shouldn't you be around 100 with Buxton? Oh, I was waiting for Scott to charm and he won. Yeah, well, I was going to say, you should be. I mean, yeah. 94, I, I believe, is where I have him, like, right around uh, pick 100, um, 95 overall. So, but I think I think the line on Buxton is, would you take Tyler O'Neill or would you take Buxton? Because I have Buxton one spot ahead of O'Neill on mine, so I recognize the upside here. But I just feel like I'm never going to take Buxton. I don't know. Maybe I am going to move him down based on what we're talking here. Uh, because, like, but Tyler O'Neill is a, you know, he, he's a floor player, I guess, you know, compared to Buxton. I, I don't know. that. Like, How are they any he, different? Are they any different? It, well, I yeah, maybe O'Neill is. I wow. think Buxton has more upside and O'Neill is safer. I think that's that's what it boils really? down to. So You think O'Neill uh, is safer? Yeah, uh, I'm not I, even sure I think, I think almost everyone is safer than Byron Buxton. I'm well, afraid of him. So... I will almost never draft him. I put him here because I do respect, you know, if he falls and falls, if I'm in a group of people that are drafting that are just like me and they don't want Buxton, then sure, I'll end up taking him. I just don't want him on my team. I don't want to have to deal with this nonsense every single year. Wow. That's where I take him. Wow. You know, like if he falls down past yeah. 120, yeah. then it's, it's like you have to. It's like yeah. people are forcing your hand because you have him as a, top 100 player but if he's being drafted right around where he should go i'm never going to roster him i'll just yeah. never be on See, my team i guess the one argument i would have here is like if you okay i get why you're saying he's tough but you but i mean and this isn't your guy Boggs. this is yeah. john's guy but if you've come to this conclusion then it's actually not tough because you're never going to do it so yeah you don't you know just move forward with it like I tend to have more struggles with players that I have higher than maybe a consensus that it's like, oh man, this can be kind of tough. But at the end of the day, I am injury agnostic. You want to be, I am. You, you are. Agnostic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for the most part, I, I, I monitor it and I acknowledge the, the range. Like, am I going to take Buxton with like DeGrom and jazz and not? No, that's crazy. Unless I'm, you know, I don't know. I'm doing some weird, weird best ball or something. But like, I'm not going to do that, but you, you pick your shots. If I would say this, if you can't stomach Byron Buxton's production inside the top 100, then he shouldn't be tempted after 100. He shouldn't, it, there shouldn't be a temptation at any point because it sounds like you've talked yourself off of it. And this is a guy who, you know, X slug top 4% of the league, top 10% max EV. It's hard hit. His ex Woba top 10% in the league, and he put up astonishing numbers. Did anybody put up even close numbers under 100 games than what he did? No, but he is perpetually hurt. So you have to either, I think, I think, I personally believe you have to figure out how you construct him in your roster, or you don't worry about it and you move on. I think we can agree that this is the hardest guy to run. Yeah, I think so. Like, I, I, I think if you're putting a show 
together around this subject. This is a number one. This is yeah. the guy that you write write this episode for because it's like, who is the epitome of this? Who is the epitome of tough to rank? And Byron Buxton, because the upside is so enormous, he he's an ifs and buts player. If the ifs Chris and buts work it? out, he's going to be a guy that can win your league, but right. they almost never work out. It's the same thing as buying a lottery ticket, right? Like I would rather buy a scratcher because I might actually win instead of a, you know, uh, uh, you know, whatever it is, Powerball. Right. Uh, I was going to think probably about the not formats. That maybe Chris really nails it when it comes to these guys. The best, you know, there's multiple formats available. Is to kind of pick your spot. And I think one of the reasons it's I'm very daily. sour. Right? It's got to well, be daily. Oh, yeah, he's awesome huge in that. I'm very sour on him in particular because it's draft and hold season where I think he's the yeah. least attractive. Yeah, 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 there's yeah. No, right, I mentioned replacement value. Well, there's not, right, there's literally none in draft champions. Where right. fab leagues, even if I'm a little irked, I think, Chris, I'm, I'm going to have a really hard time keeping him out. I'm going to have a hard time seeing even pick 90 and not choosing him in a fab or waverly, right? Providing that I could replace this guy if something goes sour, he could he could just change your season in the first half alone. You know, he could get you yeah. where you need to be. And then you kind of try and soft land that position. Yeah. And I again I just I think there are places for him. You can't yeah. be agnostic, injury agnostic in the space where you're just like, oh, you know, I'm good. Like, no, you're not good. <laughs> Lower team leagues, 10 team, 12 team, I think you can manage it better because the player pool is easier. Yeah. You know, you could you say daily leagues but like i don't know like i think roto leagues if you can just accumulate the stats and you've got a stronger bench you can still st i think you can stomach him in places but you you have to be smarter you have it but takes in daily a little leagues, bit more work in daily leagues you don't have to be smarter you know you just have to you have to draft a, a good backup right. for for him and you know uh make sure that that you invest that's all you have to do yeah. uh in, in daily in roto in weekly changes, like John said, in best ball and draft champions, it's much harder to take him because you don't, you're not physically doing that every single yeah. day. So Especially here's the, the short roster is like an underdog yeah. type thing. I can't, I would love to because you feel like Buxton could win you that tournament, but he's very difficult because he, you know, you, there's not enough roster space for a guy like that. So what is the, what is the rank area? Like, have you, did you figure it out? Like, yeah, what, I, gotta, what is I, your... I'm, I think I'm with you. I really like the sound of that 21. <laughs> so I could say he's right on the cusp of the top 20. Although I think when we approach fab season, I'm going to have him a bit closer. I could see him getting near that 90th overall because again, think about the guys that I just equated. And that's the best I could do was who's out there. There's nobody. Well, you nailed it. There was nobody even close to being that determinative at that price point. There's nobody that could just win you the league. It's not like that, right? Where I'm wish casting on a Suzuki projection to get you a third of what Buxton might get you. It's bad. Yeah, it is. Uh, Bogman, your number one guy. I think this guy actually is not the epitome of this list, but he's a good prime example of difficulty near the top of yeah. drafts. And I see him in a lot of different spots, especially if you look ECR versus uh, NFBC. So you're number one difficult player to rank. Well, this is funny because this is my highest rank. I don't think this is the hardest to rank, uh, but it's Bobby Witt Jr. And the funny thing here is Welsh is if you look at it, uh, I, on on our show sheet, so we have reference to it. I put my guys that are just ahead of him are Turner and Ramirez. So are yours. So is Fantasy Pros, and so is Draft Champions over the last month. It's the same two guys, and even weirder, it's the same three guys in terms of of position exactly below him: Bichette, Tatis, Lindor, for all four of us too. So his range is definitely. Uh, already predetermined. We know exactly where he should go. 
it's in that top. Is he a is he a mid first round pick? Is he a late first round pick or is he a borderline second round pick? That's really the question because this is all about the very top. I have him at nine. Welsh has him at 12. Yahoo has him at 15. Fantrax at 27. Fantasy Pros at 16. And NFBC at seven. So that is really where it is. It's at the top range of players. Where do you put Bobby Witt? Because, you know, players great. 2030 season. He's coming off last year. Rookie season. Sometimes we see that sophomore slump. I'm, I don't know. Maybe the lineup is not great in Kansas city. There's a lot of factors here as, as to where you put this guy. Uh, But we know he's a great power speed combo guy with a high average. He's just on a bad team and he's going into his second year. So there are questions, but I really like him. I believe John, you might've been the person that tweeted this. Yeah. If you did, I want you to expand on it because I really, really loved this. And the comment was, why is nobody building in that Bobby Witt can be better? And and I'm paraphrasing I, yeah, I think, yeah. the idea, but it's why is everything that Bobby Witt will regress and that what we saw this past year, which we we saw 20 homers, 30 stolen bases. Why are we not building awesome. in that this is the floor? And I thought that was a great comment. So what what are your thoughts on this? Because like the only guys I have above are just some heart like Mookie bets. Like I have a couple yeah. hardcore safe bets that are in front of Bobby Witt, but I still put him as a first round pick because I think that this is a relative floor. Like I think it could come down a little bit, but I also think there's still massive upside. And it was really curious to see you say that um, because maybe you're more definitive about where he needs to be. Me too, because I'm not the prospect guy ever. And this is really, this really, I really got me. I did not draft Bobby Witt last year because I wanted to see this. Now we got this, and the people that liked him are now off, and me, who wanted to be proven something, feel like it was, and I'm like, this is it. Let's let's go. Track record. The guy's always hit for average. He's also always pulled the ball. Okay, Witt has always been a heavy pull hitter. He comes up to the bigs. All right, he the pull rate was down, but the strikeout rate was good also. I mean, swing strike rate lower than it had been. In-zone contact rate, above average. I mean, this kid, with all the pressure in the world, gets thrust to the top of a pro lineup without much help at all, is asked to do it all, and he's pretty damn good. I mean, especially for fantasy circles, right? So I think there's a couple caveats. One, the fact that he's a third baseman makes him a first-round yeah. pick for me. Okay, yeah, so me too. Without, the, without that, yeah, I could see him getting into the second round. Okay, so the third, because... Again, we play with a little bit of batting average stuff, and all of a sudden he's not that far behind Jose Ramirez because of what you were saying that I had said, right? He said, I said. The growth. I mean, this is the best prospect ever. I'm generally looking not so much at what happened as they're not overmatched and overwhelmed and they kind of go in the tank, right? So, again, if we see the K rates and swinging strike rates trending in the same positive trajectory they were going in the minors for a player that's supposed to be awesome who hits 20 dongs and steals 30 bags, but we're mad because he only hit 260. Like that's great. That's crazy to me. Like that, that feels like the floor. What? I mean, are we really expecting regression now? I mean, again, well, sure. Obviously orders of magnitude better at prospect stuff than I am. I mean, that's why I follow your work for it. Have we seen rookies come up and smash like this? Get trash really. and go in the toilet? I mean, it seems so well, safe right here. Okay, no. I'll give you an example. Uh, Jonathan India. 
Jonathan India came up in his rookie year and balled out. I think he hit two, 21 homers, double digit stolen bases. He hit like two, God, what the hell did he hit? Now I'm forgetting like two, I want to say 260, like high 260s. Maybe it was in the 280s, but if you kind of look at it, it was kind of a similar-ish profile, I suppose, and it fell apart. It completely fell apart this past year. He didn't make contact. Yeah, but it was 12 steals and not 30. Yeah, 30 no, no, steals the is the floor are... for but you know what I mean? That's the thing that no matter what happens, he brings the It's the stolen bases and the third base. Like, you and put those run. two together. Oh, they and run. And they got to run like crazy. They have to. Yeah, they right. have to decree yeah. runs right. and... No shift, more stolen bases this year. Yeah, Everyone's been talking just, about it. Like, well, like, and let me throw in real quick. It, what I was getting at is that's something that makes Bobby Witt more valuable is his floor on the stolen bases isn't like Jonathan India. But if you go back to it real quick, look at some of the similarities. 269 with Jonathan India in 2021, 21 homers, uh, 12 stolen bases, a 22% strikeout rate. And Bobby Witt had a 21% strikeout rate. India had a higher walk percentage in that time. Um, I mean, he had 11% that was on there. India had more runs, a little less RBIs. So I'm not trying to be one for one. He had even a high, little bit of higher ISO. But if you ask like, hey, can a phenomenal, how often do you see these phenomenal rookies who show really good plate skills fall off? It can't happen. Well, India because was one hurt of, though, no? I mean, are yeah, you, there's are you digging him last year? What's that, India? I'm no, not really I wasn't. digging India for last year. I think he's no, no, no. But but the the thing that I keep going to is like with Bobby Witt. What I love is he doesn't also carry some like high strikeout rate. There wasn't right. some high strikeout rate that it's like, oh wow, the volatility is just going to fall apart. Yep. Um, he didn't have a great walk rate, which was actually kind of similar to Michael Harris. And Michael Harris doesn't get a lot of passes. But my point is, is like India shared some of the same qualities as far as contact, batting average, strikeout rate. Even was a little bit more of a walk guy and then kind of fell apart. I do not think they're the same though. And even if they were similar, Jonathan India this past year only hit 249, dropped 20 points. His homers tanked, his stolen bases fell apart. That's not Bobby Witt's game. Bobby Witt is a floor 20 stolen base guy. So even if he follow, falls apart, what's the worst that happens? What is the absolute worst? Maybe 15, 20? That's like a worst right. case scenario yeah. situation, yeah. but you it's not like you're losing on Jonathan India. Bobby Witt, Low strikeout rates, not overly inflated BABIP, good contact, hard hit. He's not going to get any stronger. He's not going to increase his bow rate, apparently. He's all going to be there. Forty. <laughs> he's got the fly ball rate. I mean, uh, but they so say power is the last together. thing that develops too. So Dude, there's they, more power in that bat. This is I mean, so frustrating. Yeah. He's 22 years old. He's Tell 22. John. Cutting strikeouts, lifting the ball. Oh, oh my gosh. Dude, a touch more pull. This guy goes 35-35, and we're like, who cares if he hit 255? Okay, Nobody so cares. let's hone it in then. Uh, this was Bogman's player that was difficult to manage as far as ranks and value. John, what is your value on Bobby Witten? Do you have any concerns, or are you definitive? It, no, I, I feel very strongly about him as a first-round pick. But again, I do like to rein it in because I'm very much still about track record. For me, micro, greater than sign, micro, macro over micro. And I would rather have Kyle Tucker in the first I sure. think he's a more of an established hitter. I think the contextual environment is a little bit stronger. But once those like power speed guys are dried up, I'm taking Witt before I'm taking man, even like Vlad Guerrero. You know what I mean? Like I. What about I, Bobby versus Mookie? I'd rather have man. That's a really good one. Yeah, I'd I know. Probably, that's where I have him. I have him one spot ahead of Mookie, I think and I, I don't want, know. I like dance with. Them. I think I want Bobby Witt for the steals at third. The flexibility that that gives you. 
You know, because again, you're not really sacrificing much in terms of power. We're all expecting 20 to 25 home runs. He's, pro- I mean, I don't think he's going to hit 40, but if you give me a 25 4 with a pop at 35 bags in the first round, you just can go any which way you want later on. You won't feel pressed to have to draft. Again, because you mentioned outfield is kind of shallow, you won't have to sacrifice maybe as much as far as quality hitting profile to get those steals. Yeah, it's interesting. I got Mookie over there. Mookie, also, if he plays second base, could be really interesting. That's in the year. There's a little bit of a safety net in there, but I, I'm a believer in Bobby Witt, and I have him as a first-rounder. All right, so here was my number one guy. And part of it comes about that I have him higher, I feel like, than everybody. And no, not true. Oh, yeah, not every single person, but I have him very high. And um, it, it sometimes become about a question where you start to think, like, okay, where where am I? Am I too far gone? And it's Teoscar Hernandez. Teoscar, who is through the roof on any hard hit metric you're looking for. Uh, 95% to X slug, 98% to hard hit, X woba up, barrel percentage up. What's his problem? It's K rates. Uh, he almost pushed 30% this past year, 28.4, which was a raise from the previous year. He's in the lower percentiles of walk and K rates and whiff rates, which make him a lot more susceptible to bad swings that he's not going to be able to hold up during any bad period of time, which I think would be a worry, but hit 25 homers almost hit 270 this past year in 500 at bats and is going to be going into a lineup where he's going to be, there's not protection. I mean, you're better set in your other spot, but you're going to be able to go and play around Julio Rodriguez. I feel like Teoscar is going to be able to thrive in maybe even more of an RBI situation. He only had 77 RBIs this past year. I think he could push 90 plus and projections are um, not in that favor. They just kind of in a repeating mode, except though all projection systems have him beating his home run numbers from last year, but everything else is kind of in line on a 251 batting average. But this is where I struggle because I've got him inside my top 50. He's almost unanimously outside the top 60 in every other format. Um, maybe it's maybe positionally I'm like a little bit closer, but in every place that you go, this is where he's at. I sit on the highs of NFBC or fantasy pros or something like that. So sometimes it's like a questioning of myself, but the position is so tough. I have moved him around multiple spots, John, and I don't know your take on Tay Oscar. Do you find him difficult at all? Or are you pretty stuck in, you know, he doesn't offer a lot of stolen bases and he has a strikeout risk. No, the thing I'm finding difficult is not taking him too early. And I th- maybe that's something we should have mentioned too, right? With these volatile players, when there are ones that you do like, because I am into Teoscar, is he's a per- real perceived value for me. And I think this is going to get into something interesting. We could do it really quick because that's really my take on Teoscar. He's he's really, really good. The batted ball quality is just absolutely through the roof. You know, playing a better than 500 X slug, he had a 10% blast rate, right? A double-digit barrel rate is good. Blast are the ideal subset, right? The That barrel of a barrel he is so good. The reason why he's being knocked on boards, guys, is the perception of the in like the park factor stuff. And again, park factor stuff is really wonky. Not only is it really wonky, the people that are smart with it tell you that it changes year over year. And then we had this gigantic humidor change. Okay. Yeah, the We're ball too. Is, yeah. See, right. Well, again, people, man, people are talking about changing the ball. I've been under the working thesis that the ball is the same. It's the way it reacts to the humidor that is giving us the different results, right? Because that is kind of the idea of it is even if the ball were X the same, we know they have different variants, Goldilocks, stupidity, whatever. But if you treat them differently, meaning the storage and how they're kept, 
they will have different reactions. And then, of course, the different cities have different dew points and all this other weird stuff. But the idea is this. If you look at Seattle's park factor, all the three-year rolling average on Savant that people love, it's like bottom five everywhere, just blue terribleness. If you look at last year, because that's what I'm doing, I'm looking at last year, and I'm also I'm ignoring park factor because I don't understand it. I'm using the things that I do understand. So I've been using home run per barrel with the split handedness. Okay, so I've been I'm evaluating parks by that handed hitter home run per barrel percentage. Seattle top five last year in home run per barrel percentage. That is. Man, if I'm onto something, let's say, that's a pretty big deal because the reason why people are dinging him, I kind of have a somewhat data-backed case against, right? A data-backed counter. So the thing is, generally, we're arguing about player skill. Here, we're saying the the opposition is saying, well, I like Teoscar, but he's not going to do well there. They're saying, what but, about the dew point? But, right, what about the dew point, bro? But, <laughs> but again, that's that's – listen, that's actually not bad. These numbers here, I have it right here. So it was – their top five for righties, that number is 56.6% of barrels from righties go out. To give you an idea, right, if you're in that bottom five park factor, those numbers are below 40. So that legitimately, like, is fantasy impactful, right? So if you're telling me bottom five park factor equals sub 40% home run per barrel, and I'm like, wait, but we just got, assuming, again, the same conditions repeat, a top five ballpark. So that's part of why I'm into Teoscar, because if you mix that – his power stats with that home run to bow rate. You're talking about a guy who's going to far exceed. This guy's going to end up in the, in the high 30s. And is anyone going to be too shocked? No, but they're going to say, well, maybe Seattle's not so bad. That'd actually be interesting, too, if he were more like Bobby Witt, if he were more of a pull hitter. He actually, ironically, is a pretty good uh, spreader across the field, except mm. another fun thing that kind of matches what you were saying as well. If you look at um, expected home runs by different ballparks, Obviously, those are like if the guy played in that park the whole time. But three more homers in Seattle over Toronto for Teoscar based on the hitter that he is. So, you know, if you want to simplify dumb, <clears throat> dumb way of looking at what John was even saying on a, a much more breakdown basis of barrels per home run, you can see there's even a lift in Seattle based on the type of hitter that he is that he would have in Seattle. He had 52 over barrels. He had 52 yeah. barrels in not a full season. So what if he puts up a 68-barrel season and he plays better than the 50% we've seen? All of a sudden, again, he's hitting 35 dongs and you're getting him at a really great price. Yeah, and so you said 50, what, 55% barrel uh, he going had a, out. Right, he, so. Yeah, 56% of barrel home run. That was the actual stat. It also is pretty much in line with the league average. You know, Toby is one of the guys who kind of was introducing that. Looking for around just a shade over 50%. Again, you can't necessarily equate these things and say, oh, this player is lucky because he had 75% as many home runs as barrels because, again, this is something in the more granular work I've been doing. Guys, is, this stuff really matters. It's worth a tangent. The, there's the hulking power stats, Teoscar, but there's also these pulled barrels that we have to count. Andre Jimenez, uh, my gosh, who else, who else does this crap? Jeremy Pena, uh, Tommy Edmond, right? So even though these are not guys I would describe as power hitters, they these those players have some, some of my safest power floors because they pull the ball. You know they also, pull the barrels. This guy was hurt and he came back too soon. Uh, he, he was hurt six games in last year. Came back too soon and had uh you know two three weeks of just crap performance too because he came back too quick and he was up and down there as well. So you know th throw that in. 
on top. So the, so these stud. numbers aren't even perfect for him because he had stud. that bad. Yeah. yeah. He's a legit, his, again, I do all this granular angles and power stat because I work on these home run derby stuff. It's for modeling when the season starts. His numbers hold up against all scrutiny as far as power goes. And if you put it, if you're saying that the context is good, there's a chance again that he's like a 40 home run guy and we're not really seeing it because the ballpark is no good, right? But we're just looking at it with a different lens. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, that's been my struggle. This has been a lot of good confirmation on it. All right. We're going to have to definitely pick it up on uh, as we move to these next names. We're going back up to John. Number two, I agree with this one. Luis Robert with the White Sox is the struggle. Yeah. Bogman and I have him close. I over On an overall perspective, I have him higher on positionally as well. I'm trying to get back into the buyback, but what has made Luis Roberts so difficult to rank and value for you, John? His smile and the injuries, right? So you wanted quick. This one's really quick. My heart is broken. One of the things that I struggle with besides injuries is kind of separating, let's say emotionally, but emotionally from getting smoked on a first round pick, right? I got smoked on a first round pick and you can't help but think if I didn't take him at whatever 14 overall or 17 overall in a turn, wherever I was taking him last year, and I replace it with a much better pick. I might have made this much money. He doesn't stay on the field. And then even though the little bit he was on the field, I mean, 400 plate appearances is like good but not great. But if you prorate that, 12 homers, 11 steals, is just not going to do it. So I feel like not only do we need health, but we also need like more than what we've seen. So as much as I want to believe in like all the greatness that, that we've seen in flashes, I think I'm pumping the brakes on Robert. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Where do you... Okay, let me ask you something. Where do you have Robert? The Oscar or Robert? Well, apples to apples, I believe Teoscar will outperform him, but you don't have okay. to make that decision in the draft, right? You don't have to make that yeah, decision yeah. in the draft. Chris, you know what's funny? Being this is the first time I've ever published rankings, maybe I should have talked to people like yourself with a little more experience. What do you do with him? What I've been doing is sliding him back to the back of the second round where I know I can't get him, and I know people that are following my rankings won't get him without saying he's like the 80th outfielder, right? Because I don't believe that. You know what I mean? I don't think he's outfielder 80, but I don't think you draft him. So I'm putting him to the back, you know, making I'm putting him in a spot where I'm trying not to disrespect the potential, but I'm making sure that I'm not drafting him. It it just uh the Tesker one's interesting, but like I wanted to throw out like another guy's never played a hundred games, like Robert versus Buxton. Like what like if, if I if I had to tell you, you have Robert to say, is just Buxton that has not jaded me yet. That that okay, was my okay, whole okay, argument here. Again, three years he i mean first year 2020 uh, obviously was a shortened year the next two years he's not played 100 games here's my point if you have to let me look on this list here robert has nfbc of 46 
fantasy pros, he is 90. Let's call him 60 for argument's sake here for a second. Let's call him 60. So that is the uh, last pick in the fifth round, first pick in the sixth round. You have to take, let's call it fifth round Luis Roberts, or you have to take ninth round Byron Buxton, or 10th round Byron Buxton at this point. But like ninth round Byron Buxton, or fifth round Luis Roberts. Who are you going with and why? And like, where, you know, like, what is a separator Robert has from an injury perspective over Buxton at this point? Is he worth the it's just more stolen bases that you get? Is he worth more of the stolen bases or not? No. I, I like Buxton in a vacuum because I can't differentiate. So then when you add in, plus, we have never seen Lou uh, Bob carry us in a power sense like that, right? A lot of that is wish casting. We've seen, we've seen bursts. But we've never seen, I mean, again, Buxton has put up a 47 home run, 640 plate appearance pace. That's a single season with 47 dogs. That is determinative power, right? That's like league leading type power, short of Aaron Judge, but depending on what league you're playing. So for me, over the, over I, that I same period, by the way, with Robert, I'm interrupted, but over the same period, no, go, go, go. I'm roughly doing it because you can essentially just add 2021 and 22 and I'll okay. minus a little bit. That number over that time is roughly 23 homers, 16 stolen bases, call it 90-90, and probably a close to 300 batting average on average. Yeah, so that 307, is 307-96-99. Hey, well, if you're looking at fan graphs, you could use the shift key to, to split, and they give you little totals. Yeah, I, I was just doing it by eye. Yeah, yeah. So. And so then it's like awesome, 22 and 16 or something. So that's yeah. his that's his 162 game split over that time. Yeah. Uh, I'll actually be honest with you. The, the, we're talking about it now. He's actually going to probably be more difficult for me because when you start to look at separators of him versus Teoscar or him versus even Buxton in that standpoint, to talk yourself into Robert as what were you talking like a second round pick to talk a second or third round pick over. A guy like even stupid Buxton or Adolis Garcia or something like that. Like, I just don't get why he would get a pass of an argument because why? He's 24 years old, 25 years old, and he's only had a couple years of being an utter disappointment every single season. And Buxton's had more. Like, okay, the you know, the walks like a duck. Like it's starting to get that path. Why he's being treated differently than some of these other guys off of maybe a higher batting average and stolen bases. I don't know. A little bit I get lower. It's funny too, you look stuff. at you look at every single projection system and uh, Buxton is ahead in home runs, RBIs and runs and uh, just barely in stolen bases. And so you're, you're really, you're paying that extra price for Robert. You know, if this is just projections, obviously, but you're paying that extra price for Robert just for a little bit of batting average is what it essentially two stolen bases, three stolen bases, a little bit of batting average, right? So it's it's one of those things where I don't know they're both great upsides. You obviously can't roster them both. So who would you rather roster? I think you guys are right. I think I'm being talked into this a little bit, but I think I'd rather take Buxton later. Yep. Um, you know, the the I don't know. I I I feel like I like Robert a little more just because, like I said before, I'm not jaded on Robert yet. This year, if he doesn't play 100 games, I'm done. You know, yeah, you know, a lot, I think a lot a like lot of- Buxton with me so it's kind of that that's kind of where i stand but you can squint and see that upside and i think you know obviously nfbc is going to go higher uh stuff like that because you can squint and see that upside you know you can put all those numbers together and it's 47 homers if he played a full season and all that stuff but 
is that ever going to happen? You know, uh, it, it's a big question right now. So I, I think it's interesting. Like I like, but and I, this is coming from a standpoint. I'm not trying to make a case to not take but, uh, Robert and take other people. I like Robert more than you guys. I like Robert more. I, I think I am the high on fantasy pros right now on his rank, but like, I don't think I was building in enough of this risk concern that like a buck, like Buxton is built into my brain. Jacob DeGrom built into my brain. I don't think Roberts was built into my brain enough that like his 162 game pace is good. It's not elite and it comes with more risks outside of the batting average being really good. It's just something to consider. Like what you said before, where you're like, Hey, you wouldn't take Robert and Buxton. I don't think that was in my brain where I would be like, Oh my God. Like the red flag of Robert wasn't in my brain where I need to red flag him and maybe he needs to be more red flag because he hasn't crossed it. And, and I also the, like, I, don't, I just don't know how many years, like what is Bogdan? It seems like three years to you is the marker. Cause why Robert gets That's a it. pass and Buxton doesn't like, I know. Yeah. Well, because I mean, you know, Buxton has been playing longer. He's been hurt more. And yeah. we've been talking about this more. 2017 was the last time he played a hundred games. Right. So, uh, you know, Robert wasn't even up at that right. point. So it's just a longer tracker. Like I said, Robert is Buxton, but I'm not jaded by him yet because it's yeah. three seasons, you know, and one of those seasons also obviously was the COVID year. So it's really two right. seasons. I think in that, what did he play in that COVID year? 56 to 60? 56. Yeah, so, it was essentially like a full yeah. season. He he played in the COVID year. And that was his rookie year too. So that was weird. Got hurt last year. Banged, banged he also had two injuries before. in the minors. I just want to point out. Yeah. He, had a, he, he had a wrist injury. He had two injuries. He like, if no one remembers this, but his first two yeah. minor league years, guy didn't hit a home run. That's a and great And then point. he had this 30-30 season because he got injured twice in the minors. Uh, once when he first came over, and then one was like a slide in. So I Did mean, you say it was had... wrist by any chance? You said yeah, wrist? it was a wrist. It was a wrist. You know, injury. Uh, yeah. I've you been... know what? I, I think you just convinced me to lower him. I I've been I've been tracking lower. injuries because again, you know, they can be kind of hard to track, and I've been finding. Fox Sports, though it's not perfect, does have a really good injury player page. I've had to go and backtrack. Like, you know, you kind of have to hand check some of it with a, a Sports Edge and whatever fan graph, see if they miss games. Now, these are, they're not IL stints. They're instances of missed game, which is even yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. IL stints, 12 instances, 12 for Lou Bob last year alone. 12 wow. last year alone, the last one, two, three, four, five, six, the last six are wrist related. So it's well, and that again, like that's most people don't remember, he slid into second, hurt his wrist, and that uh, that sharpened some of the minor league stuff. What was Buxton's, by the way? I I was looking. At, it was like, 186. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if you really want the full one, it's very funny because in that thread that I tweeted, somebody tweeted a response of during a Twins broadcast, the color commentator lists off all the injuries he's had in the past like two years dude and it's unbelievable he goes oh it's wrist, absurd head, wrist left left thigh right thigh left groin right groin toe yeah. it, it it's unbelievable and boxing has a really long list also because again they're they're being really really cautious with him so like if he if he gets hit with a pitch instead of two days he's getting four days right and you can't bench him if you're in a weekly league. It just could be so tough with these guys. Yeah, the Robert one's interesting. All right, uh, Bogman, you're number two, O'Neill Cruz. And I I see why. He's all over the board. Again, this is another one of those volatility guys that I'm higher on. His projections are through the roof. Something I've cited a whole bunch. If you wanted to go by steamer projections, um, the closest marker you can get to his steamer projections is a first-round player. Like, by steamer, he's a first-round player. It's Kyle Tucker-like numbers. Uh, bad X definitely brings him down. He's volatile. I don't, I'm shocked actually that NFBC has him as low as they do based on the upside, which seems kind of weird. He's at 71. 
He's lower on Fantasy Pros. Yahoo's a little bit higher. I have him higher. But Bogman, you're kind of with me. So what's your what's your O'Neill Cruz struggle? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's does he deserve to be this high? Is basically what my struggle is too. Because I am at, at 55, like you said. I'm higher. I think once again, you're highest on fantasy pros and you don't have a ton of those guys uh, because I look through a lot of players uh, and it's just a couple of guys that we were talking about. I basically here want you guys to talk me into O'Neill Cruz and make sure that I shouldn't move him because obviously, you know, young players, like you said, because you're pretty high. I, I, I want to stay. I want you guys to convince me not to move him down the list of shortstops and below the guys that I have below him. Because uh, I, I have him ahead of some some good players. I had him ahead of uh, Seager, Swanson, and Edmund. I have him just below Bichette, Tatis, and Lindor. So I have him in that, like, you know, if if he plays this well, he's going into that Bichette, Tatis, Lindor kind of tier. I have him kind of in his own tier right now. I'm trying to figure out if I should move him, if I should keep him there, or do I need to move him down? Because obviously the situation in Pittsburgh is bad. You know, there's not a lot of help in this lineup at all, especially if they trade Brian Reynolds. He's going to be hitting leadoff. So, uh, you know, ample opportunities for at-bats, ample opportunities for stolen bases, which is why I have him there. But if they were to drop him in the order, maybe he steals less. I don't know. Like, it's a bad spot for him to be in. He is a great player, and he is very volatile, though. So that's kind of – I can squint and see it. That's why I have him just below those – really, really stud shortstops, but I don't know. Um, should I be lowering him is basically yeah. my question on him. I'm curious too where John is at that because like his hard hit stuff, obviously, you know, broke stat cast and it's all there. Right. It's funny when I was first looking at this, it was very reminiscent of Teoscar Hernandez, except the problem when you look at Teoscar versus O'Neill Cruz is he does not provide you the safety on batted ball stuff. As far as like his batting average, like his, this guy, O'Neill Cruz XBA is like 17th percentile and X Woba 36th percentile where Teoscar was high up there, but they share like K and with percentage issues. O'Neill Cruz barrels up the ball a good amount struggled early, but that, you know, that back half of the year where I think he got his batting average up, the strikeout percentage was under 30%. You know, those are the positives that you look at. And the way he hits the ball and when he makes contact, the guy is going to hit 20 plus. We got to believe the stolen bases are going to keep going, but he is volatile. And I'm, I'm, I'm obviously I'm playing on the side of high potential in a lot of these drafts, but John, is this a guy that, you know, you're teetering around? Well, interesting. Again, I was really scared of my perception of like the discipline stuff, although, you know, the high K rate. So it was very easy for me just on the surface to pass. Doing my rankings, they'll be out in a week or so, right at the Super Bowl. Um, I got to Ono Cruz just this morning, and I turned around on him this morning. And okay. Scott Scott actually mentioned the name that matters the most to me in this exercise, and it's Francisco Lindor. Check this out, everyone. Fran- these are projections. Francisco Lindor, 250, O'Neill Cruz, 250. Runs 82-84. Ribby's 86-82, so slight edge Lindor. Home runs 25-27, edge to O'Neill Cruz and then stolen base 13-19. So quite literally nose to nose. However, Lindor's is at 666, the leprechaun of plate appearances. And O'Neill is only at, at the high 500. So I think it's 590. Yeah, 550 on bat X with the 240 batting average, 22. Uh, again, yeah, around. again, you know, a uh, uh, signal, uh, noise, I mean. Yeah. Point being... Even the experts are admitting pound for pound, he's every bit the player kind of Lindor is. 
And I was looking into the track record again, you know, maybe this part of my blind spot. I don't, I try not to track these guys through the minors too much because I don't want to fall too much in love with them. But I think I saw something like, I don't know, 1,400 plate appearances. This guy had a good batting average, right? In the minors, he's always had a good average. He's, he's had swing and miss, but I don't, for me, swing and miss is not bad discipline. His K rate is not bad. I want the guy that hits the ball 120 miles an hour to swing the bat, right? There's yeah. nothing worse yeah, 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 than yeah. a guy that goes up there, can mash, but he doesn't swing, right? We need more aggression. So that was I'm Goldie okay in the beginning of his career. Yeah. yeah well, point being, of guys. Yeah. And I feel like I might have written off O'Neill Cruz as like this wild swing strikeout machine after just a couple hundred plate appearances. And maybe I shouldn't have. Because, again, the upside is – and, it's again, it's not like wish-casted upside. Hate to knock Lou Bob and drag him in the mud one more time. But this is not like we're asking for something that we've never really seen, even though he's played. This guy has played and shown us, like – you know, his – again, I have the 600 – his 600 plate appearance pace. This is O'Neill Cruz. 235, so again, a bit low, but that's the only hiccup. 77, 92, 29, and 16. I mean, these are monstrous numbers. These are second-round, kind of early third-round, right, yeah. returns for a guy that – I mean, you're getting, gosh, next to Tommy Edmond, they're not the same player. And then once you see him fall, because Scott mentioned these guys, these types of players do fall. Uh, Buxton and Cruz, they can fall. Once he's near Xander Bogarts, God in heaven, smash O'Neal Cruz. What are we waiting for, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. I've actually, I've got him above Edmond. I've got him above Bogarts. But do you and, think the uh, average and the, the strikeout stuff kind of normalized to the track record? Is that what you I are? I think it's going to be for the most part. I still think he's going to be a near 30% K guy, but like Fernando Tatis can make that stuff work. I think he can. He here's my problem with O'Neill Cruz and why, like I'm even concerned about where I might have him is the team context. Like he's just limited in running RBI opportunities, which that's my problem. And like, Am I buying a Dude, player? Dude, he's G-Man Choi. What are you talking about? Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> am I, but am I, a, am I a player? Am I, if I bought into a player that is two counting stats heavy and like, you don't want to buy a two category player in the first 50 picks. That's a problem. And batting average is okay. It, projections runs don't look good. And RBI don't look good because no one's going to be on base, especially when they trade. Especially if he's a leadoff hitter, the RBIs are cooked. Yeah. We love, we love home runs and stolen bases, but I do think there is a kind of a limit and that's what I have to kind of rebat on that. That's actually my struggle. I actually have also a struggle because I'm very high on him, but if he's um, runs homers, stolen bases and his average is okay. Now you're only missing RBI that that's why I keep, you know, flip-flopping, and I don't want to spend way more time on O'Neill Cruz. We've described what he is, but I mean, that, that that's where that's where the struggle comes, and uh, I don't know. I, I think I'm probably not moving him. I, I think I probably got him where I have him, and I'm not going to be messing with him too much, maybe in the overall moving down, but not okay, Let me not do this for you then real quick. But, uh, John, Boggs has Seager and, Tat and uh, Tatis and uh, Cruz close. Who would you rather have? Corey Seager on the bounce back or uh, Cruz? Free format. If I if you need steals, you got to have Cruz. In point leagues, I'd rather have Seager. Like head to head, uh, I'd rather have Seager. I think okay. the hit tool. I think the hit tool is more consistent. And I I've just been toying around with some of the estimated numbers on this poll on the shift. I mean, the guy stands the. He's just yeah, he was one of the lot. most shifted yeah. players in the baseball. I know it's been oh, beat to death, and I know yeah. it's not a yeah, it's nothing original. But he hits the ball on a rope. He pulls it a ton right where the shift is. Like it's funny, people are like, "Should we react to the shift being removed?" Yeah, it was so effective that they had to 
disallowed. Right. Like there's a reason, you know, it'll be interesting though. The first time a team utilizes, I don't know if you've seen this utilizes the, the uh, five man infield and the two man outfield that they can do. <laughs> they, they, there's been some talk that they can bring a infielder <laughs> in and they can take out an outfielder instead of a shift. Uh, it'll the first time someone does that, we'll all have a conversation and that'll be fun. I'm going to get man in motion because I'm like a, I'm like the notorious rule bender. So like I'm the guy if I'm in your fantasy league that you have to change rules because of right because <laughs> I I found like a loophole. So the first thing I thought was I wonder if you had somebody technically obeying the rules one step to the side of second base. Once the pitch is released, the ball is live. You can't mandate anything. Could you just see motion? Could we see defensive motion? Oh, oh yeah, that's a good four, point. The 49ers of uh of infield. Yeah. Because I'll tell you what, if a guy starts motion. at the standard shortstop and starts a little jog and times it with the pitcher, all of a sudden you're gonna have a full you'll have the regular shift back. And again, I'm just brainstorming this stuff. I, we have to see it in practice. Yeah. But, yeah, and that's also I've been cautioning people, even though I put out a little we'll bit of We'll get a preview out, during spring training too. Oh, yeah, no, that's, that's actually nice. a really good point. That's one thing worth watching for, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, my second one, and we are not getting to five, by the way, we're going to get to third mm-hmm. and then we'll, uh, we'll just mention actually probably, I think in the next round, let's mention all three of our guys. And then you can each pick, uh, the three that you have left and you can pick one that you want to focus on. Mine is Shane Bieber. And this is pretty simple. Shane Bieber lost all the stuff except what actually mattered on the stat sheet. Like everything underlying last year, Velo was down. The spin was down. He was a sell, get him out of here but he never really like struggled. Like he never got to the point where anyone would be able to celebrate on, Oh, selling off Shane Bieber was the smartest thing that I ever did. He was still like relatively top flight and he was still getting stuff together. He had 13 wins hit 200 innings. His K numbers were down, but he had a two eight eight ERA. Despite all of the drops, he still produced. But now looking at this year, I just don't know where to go. So this is finally an instance where I am the low man on the totem pole. I've got him outside my top 60. NFBC, he's 58. Fantasy Pros, um, uh, ADP or ECR, I guess, is 45. Yahoo, he's 51. I've got him lower than Bogman. Bogman's got him higher for a lot of those reasons. I just don't know what to do because I feel like, okay, you got away with it this past year, but long-term declining fastball and declining spin rates across the board that's a warning flag of buying in and i don't know if i want to buy back in yet he curbed the whole thing john so i don't know i don't know this is a true difficult how do you rank and shane bieber is a tough one for me because i kind of move him up and down and i've had guys pass him and he seems to be this marker where i'm like oh yeah i like this guy more and then i'll just yeah i feel like he's become the marker where I get more excited about someone else and I don't have him as a top 15 SP. Yeah, I'm not, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think he's one of the guys with the downgrade in offense we've seen and the rights, the net zero gain, right? The pitchers that have to get pushed up then if there's less hitting, I think without the strikeout stuff and you absolutely nailed it. Well, this has been my kind of bread and butter. Some of the work I like to do the granular pitching stuff, absolute degradation across the board. The four seamer is the next stop is the trash can. Right, year over year, 94 miles an hour, 92 and a half, down to 91 as it's steepened, right? So not to get too much into the VAA stuff, but you want your fastball as flat as possible. That's a rising fastball. That has gone in the wrong direction each of the three years, going from 12, which is very good, to 15, which is below average. So his fastball now is not good, right? So the Bieber fastball, which has gone from like, it's passable, is no longer any good. He does get by in control. His 
secondary stuff is still ridiculously good, right? So both of his secondary pitches have a 39% whiff rate. So that's where some of the confusion comes from. Like, man, why is he so good? Because the off-speed stuff is still elite, elite, elite. However, when you throw the fastball as much as he does, or it's, you know, the main component of your arsenal, it's going to it's gonna hurt that overall K rate. So I've just been – not saying I'm punting it back, but there's so much quality pitching. Again, I think one of my major takeaways from the ranking stuff, doing it like this is – there's a you do not need to take any early pitching because come like pick like 50 to 80, it is just a wealth. There is just a wealth, wealth, wealth of starting pitching of guys who are kind of being overlooked. You know, again, Wheeler's going right next to um Bieber, but the guys technically on NFBC going after him, I'd rather have I'd rather have Gaussman, I'd rather have Castillo, I'd rather have Manoa, I'd rather have Gallon, I'd rather have Javier, I'd probably rather have Musgrove, believe it or not, I'd rather have Framber Valdez, and I'd rather have Tristan McKenzie, right? So, so yeah, that's pretty dramatic, because I have Javier yeah. above, and that's an interesting one that you mentioned oh, him, because filthy. I oh, have Gossman filthy. and Javier filthy. above, but Bogman, you have Gossman and Javier below. Uh, yeah, it's funny, because a guy that I'm going to talk about in a second here. I have just ahead, and to me, that's the end of the tier at 14. And then we get into Bieber, Urias, Gossman, Javier, Gallant, Castillo, a lot of the guys you just mentioned that are all the next tier to me. I have Bieber at the top of that tier, and the, the reason is because this there's a difference between throwers and pitchers, and, and this guy is absolutely a pitcher. He He's made it work with declining stuff. And also what we what we said about and this is way more rare, obviously, what we said about wit, like what is to say that that doesn't tick up a little bit? We see guys go through tick ups and downs in their career. So if the speed and spin rate comes back just a little bit, uh, he's he could only be 27, even, mind you. He feels right. old. Doesn't he feel old? He's well, this is like Clayton Kershaw. I think like, yeah. you know, like Clay, Clayton Kershaw was like 29 and things are decreasing. My only problem with that, Boggs, I agree we have nothing. It's just a like, maybe. It's it's not the a... The most uncommon thing is Velo in, uh, coming back uh, off of multiple year decreases without, like, we didn't hear, like, he's going to, like, driveline or he's working with a new pitching coach or he's... Just, like, we don't have any of that. Like, he's an analytical yeah. guy. He's doing his own stuff. Like, I, I can't make the... And I understand his where you're coming from. His and Sierra was so really but good. But making like, the bet that he'll improve when he's not... I'm not, I'm not saying that he'll improve. I'm saying that it's a possibility. You know, and, and I'm not making that bet at all. He did. He played great with decreased velocity, with decreased spin rate last year. And I just don't know. Is it going to, you know, is it going to raise up? I'm um, probably not. Uh, but is it going to completely fall off? And he's going to be a trash pitcher because that's what everybody said was going to happen. And it yeah. didn't. So to, to me, he's still like it's a he has proven it to me. I'm going to hold on until he falls off. It's one of those. I know this is preemptive for almost everyone, and, and you can't say it's not preemptive because it is. Uh, his numbers are great. So it's definitely preemptive. So I'm just not there yet. Like, I'll I'll believe it when I see it in a bad note, just like I like to do for guys to jump up as well. So Yeah, I, I, I think he's tough because results versus under the hood uh, speak two different things and seeing velo and spin rate decreases are alarming yet. He walked less than, you know, his whiff rate went down yet. He, st he stopped walking people. He commanded his pitches better. Even when they were less, it's just, it's, it's a, he's an anomaly. All right. Yeah, you want a good stat on, on him? So Shane Bieber led, he was second in major leagues in money starts, right? That's my thing, but I quality starts. We all know we're dumb, but easy to remember money starts seven innings, Minimum two earned runs maximum, right? So like a, I mean, I 
kind of turned it into a very easy thing to for us to have sure. on. He had 12 of those. Now he was second. Sandy Alcantara had 20. Okay. So just, <laughs> Good just, Lord. Forget, just forget that. Just forget that. <laughs> but listen, Bieber, right? The guy, if we're wondering, right? 12, he led the majors in that. Those are the starts. And in particular, I'd say head to head. So this is where like, where do you slot this guy? And I'm like, I don't know if I really want him in Roto because I don't know if the strikeouts are going to be there. But in things like point leagues where you really get proportionately rewarded for distance, quality starts, wins, and that kind of stuff, Thanks, Bieber it needs to be moved up because nobody does that. I mean, that's just unbelievable. That that re- they, that's like uncanny. You know, that's uncanny, man. That was it, it's, gosh, he was so good. Th- that's thirty nine percent of his starts. He went seven and two. I mean, yeah, that's why he's wild. on the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's why. That's why he's tough. That's why he right. is difficult. All right, so these are the last three. We each have three. John, we're going to go to yours. You had three guys left, so name off the three and then pick the player that you want to focus on. Yeah, okay. Mine are all you know head scratchers. They're pretty easy. Ozzy Albies, you know the injury plus some split stuff. Is he going to lose the two hole to Michael Harris? Um, then I had Corbin Carroll. That's the one I want to talk about, but I want you to talk about it because of. It's a prospect thing. Wanda Franco was my last one. Easier for me to sum up in that. It sounds a little bit like Lou Bob, almost. Big shine, big talent, big pedigree, all the wish casting in the world. And though we've seen talent and production, we have not seen fantasy glory. And I think, you know, people get caught in the weeds with this, right? Well, all Wanda Franco needs to do is lift more, hit it more, and steal more bases, and he'll be great for five by five. And it's like, well, wait, that's like, wait, wait, what? That's everything. Yeah. And if all I if, need to do is lose a bunch of weight and I'll be skinny. Yeah. yeah. If, you know, we, we're doing that, but it's kind of true. I don't like to, I think this is a big flaw of fantasy players. I think they try and project these adjustments on very good hitters. If the guy's like a 300 major league baseball hitter, I don't assume he's going to be looking to change that, yeah. right? So, again, I don't know if Wanda Franco has the power speed tools to carry us in the price at Roto. I'm not even touching him in Roto this year because shortstop, there's a plethora. Even guys like later well, on again, you know. Only two things is he did in April hit like four or five homers, couple stole a couple bases, and started to project out at looking like a 25-20 guy. And then he got hurt and everything fell apart. I just got him in a, fan, in a Fantasy Pros mock at 115. And oh I took my, him as my okay, see, that's order. that's great. Again, the that's price he's going. is, I think this year, maybe more than ever, really feels like there's so much, maybe it's because of the shifting in the era, right, of the offensive like environment, that we're having this pitchers that used to be all the way up and now moving to the back, and we're kind of having this flow of very wide min and max picks. So to, to put a bone for me, Corbin Carroll, gosh, if you look at the minor league baseball fan grass page, you understand what we like. He had such a small cup of coffee in in the majors it's hard for me to prioritize him so my question is pretty easy like welsh is this guy the whatever 25 25 guy everyone's kind of hoping he is right steamer has him at 17 14 but it's under 500 plate appearances so again if you get him to a full compliment he's over 20 yeah i mean i i'm <laughs> this is gonna be a rough one for me it's gonna be a good one or a rough one for me this year because here's what i'm adamant about i'm adamant that his stolen bases are projected lower on every single spot. Every single, even the highest of high steamer is under projecting at stolen bases. I'm confident that I said this to me and Scott white. We're getting into it. He has never had an under 200 ISO at any level of any professional spot, except rookie ball as an 18 year old rookie ball complex league. It's the only time he's ever had an under 200 ISO. He makes monster contact. He hits homer. He had 28 homers this past year, and it's the physicality. If he were 20 pounds bigger, no one would have the concerns. They wouldn't. 
it's that he's a little bit skinnier, but he's jacked. He's built. He's a mechanic as a swinger. He's not five foot 10, 165 anymore. I was just around him a couple months ago. He's probably pushing six foot now. And he's probably around 180 pounds and it's jacked muscle. And he understands hitting. So my personal belief. Well, fat muscle like I have for the record. Yeah, no, not, not, yeah, not like if I were to like flex and you would see not that. like us. Like, yeah. 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 Look, the muscle pushed out the fat. No, this is like he, the guy is getting jacked for his size, but he is also. He's just a is a is a master of his swing. He's worked through swings with other players. I think he'd be a great coach someday. I believe that the homers will get there, and that we're not going to be as concerned. So, like, am I going to say he's a twenty homer, twenty five guy? He's going to be Bobby Witt this year. I definitely think it's possible. I really listen really real do. quick. I just looked this up. The lowest qualified player with an ISO over two hundred had twenty two homers. That's the low total. So if he gets to that 200 ISO, you're looking at at least 20 homers. And, and, in, thir- like. and in 32 games in the majors this past year, he had a 240 ISO with the Diamondbacks that was out there. So and he didn't and even I'd get hot throw out, once. And I also throw out, he's the fastest player in baseball. He's, he's top one percentile sprint speed in all of baseball. So to project him under 20 stolen bases, I think is silly. It's going to come down. Does he have any bad streaky stuff where he can't get out there and he's not hitting? I just don't think it's going to happen. I think he's a top end player, and that's why I just feel more confident about him. That's and me. and uh, you know, look at the difference that uh, obviously he was going too low to start, but because uh, we didn't know he's going to be up in the bigs. But look at the difference Julio made. Now he's a top you know five player. Uh, Bobby yeah. Witt. We have rookies that came up and made a huge impact. And this is not us being Diamondback homers. This is just talking uh, rookies in general and the difference that they can make for your team. You can't have a bunch of them because it doesn't always work out. Here's but, the positive. I, you I can also take one or two. I do think the NFBC price gets you squirmish, but fantasy pros right now, ECR, he's 95. Yahoo has him at 85. Um, those are good things. Those are good things to see for more consumer leagues that if you can get him post 75, him and Gunner are no brainers. I think to take post 75 because you're taking on a lot less risk because guess what? lefty a lot of lefties in that lineup they're kind of robust at the position if he goes through some struggles all these things are possibilities it's just he hasn't at any level struggled he doesn't even in his struggle at the major leagues where he struck out 27 percent of the time he still hit 260 still had a 240 iso still walked over seven percent of the time and uh had a 330 obp you know he had a what is it 70 uh point higher obp than his batting average so I think he's a, an elite type of fantasy prospect. And I think there's a lot of similarities. You could look at like Mookie Betts from a body style perspective when you start questioning who he can be. So, you know, that's me. That's me on uh, Corbin Carroll. I understand the concerns. Anything else on that one, John? Just a crazy spread again where, you know, the reason I'm having trouble with it is I love your explanation. And when you get past 95, it's like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. I just must have been into the draft rooms where he's going in the top 50 or 60. Because that always well, happens. happens. His it main happens. is 41. 41 to 161. That This is highly unusual. Again, and I, I'm using recent data. And even though it's draft champions, he's a young buck expected to lead off. There's no reason he's not slated for full plate appearances. You know, it's there's a whole bunch of these kind of conundrums. Yeah, you kind of sold me on him. And again, you know, I don't want to I don't want to be inconsistent. If I was talking about a stolen base floor earlier that you get and how much it matters. You know, I want to keep that consistent. And maybe Carroll is the answer. So so you, you're circling Corbin Carroll if you drafted Vladimir Guerrero or if you went Corbin Burns, Pete Alonso, let's say. If Carroll's the guy you love. If I went like Freddie Freeman and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Rafael Devers or something. Yeah. Like, I don't know why. Would you know, but if I did that. Yeah, uh, Carroll would be a guy that I want. I have him a little bit higher than 
I have him in that range that you said starts to make you a little bit uncomfortable. Listen, I'm worried he did not in the majors hit lefties well when he came up, but I don't know if that's going to be a big major concern. I do think an interesting debate is like looking at Adolis Garcia, who we thought couldn't repeat. And then you're looking at him as like a 2020 guy. Uh, I didn't think he would repeat either. And him kind of being consistent. And you're taking on inherent risk with Corbin Carroll. But you've got to ask yourself, like, you know, it. Do you believe in the possibility that those stolen bases? Remember we talked about with Bobby Witt earlier, very beginning. Oh, hey, Bobby Witt, there's a lot of concerns, blah, blah, blah. But when I started bringing up Jonathan Indy, you're like, well, stolen bases. That's what I want to hit home with Corbin Carroll is the Diamondbacks had two 20 plus stolen base guys. They never do that. And they're going to do that more. Jake Jake McCarthy is projected to lead the league in stolen bases on, I think, (laughs) ATC. Guess what? I think that could be Carroll. I think Carroll could run and hit at the top of the lineup. So that's what I want to keep throwing out there is you take one of the fastest players in baseball. Uh, it's not objective. It, it is uh, a fact. It's a fact. Top 10 uh, sprint speed and um, or subject. And uh, you know, this is a player as long as he hits, he's going to create a floor of high end stolen bases with bigger power that his body presents. RBIs might not be there, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Corbin Carroll's hitting three for this team at some point and not being a leadoff guy. I think they would be better set with McCarthy leading off. Yeah, me Chattel too. Marte hitting two and Corbin Car- Carroll hitting three. Well, that's that's in the works of possibility. So uh, I'm very adamant about Corbin Carroll. I don't think I'm like, you have, have, have to because I think there's risk. If I take Corbin Carroll, that might take me off of wanting to take Jazz Chisholm. It might right. make me take me off of taking any of these other inherent risks that we've talked about. So I want to take Robert and Carroll. Probably not. But, um, you know, it's all going to be, like you said, like if I took Freeman and Devers or something like that to start or Freeman and Austin Riley or whatever the hell I did. Yeah, maybe I'm going to be more prone to take a guy like Corbin Carroll in those mid rounds. So it, it's a good one. Uh, all right, Boggs, your three that you have left and the one that you want to pick. Yeah, so I have MJ Melendez. And right there, I just want you to tell me, you know, 228, 231, 236. This is a big variance in his batting average. Well, I mean, you know, if you're eyeballing it, is is he going to, is he a guy that can lose batting average? Because then he just becomes Mike Zanino. And I don't want that. So, uh, uh, what do you mean? Like, because this guy become worse. I mean, yeah. Can it become worse or is it definitely going to get better? Is basically what I obviously no one can answer that, but he hit 293 in 2021 at AAA, at 285 at double A in 2021 before getting in the promotion in 79 games. Uh, but he hit 217 at the bigs last year across 129 uh, games, 534 plate appearances. So, um, get better. I mean, he had this weird Lexington year in high A where he hit like a buck 63, and then he came back and hit 280 in both levels. Uh, I said it before, I, I saw this fascinating interview that he said he's going to play outfield this year. He's been training the entire offseason and working. His regimen has been to play outfield. So I think the assumption is he will I mean, be. Ross Resource has him at leadoff, too. They have DHing yeah, exactly. and at leadoff. So he can do whatever, but that's an everyday player, which a catcher is a big get. You know, uh, if if that's possible, so uh, that that's why that's what confuses me on him. So I have him kind of in the middle of catchers. That's not my big one uh, that that I want to talk about. Carlos Rodon, I don't know. Uh, I just you know concerns about going to Yankee Stadium, staying healthy because the White Sox didn't want him. Uh, I, I have I was low man on Rodon last year. Obviously, that did not work out. Uh, he was outstanding. So um, I don't know. He's just a guy that uh, perpetually confuses me. But the guy I do want to talk about is Yoshida, Masataka Yoshida. Right now, um, his NFBC uh, for the year is 279. In draft champions over the last month, 
is jumped up, uh, you know, 42 spots to it's uh, that, 237. It's that insane projection. That insane His projection, projection is nuts. And uh, I mean, I've got him at like uh, 181. You have him at, at 280. So we're a bunch of points off here. I like a leadoff hitter, but right now roster resource has him platooning with Rob Refsnyder. I mean, I don't know how believable is that they have Carol platooning with Kyle Lewis. Like this is just young guys things they do. That's fine. We they're, they're the lefties that are going to hit against righties. Most pitchers are righties. Anyway, they're going to play most days. So, you know, you, Yoshida's going to play most days. I just don't know where to put him. These projections are crazy, but I don't know. Are they that crazy? Uh, you know, this is a good hitter. We just we have some separation on him. I don't know what to expect here. Nobody does, which makes him obviously tough to rank. But he has a minimum and maximum of 187 and 282 over the last month. That's almost 100 spots different. So I just want to know uh, what you guys are thinking on Yoshida because I he has me perplexed. What do you think, John? I mean, the the projections are the steamer projections specifically are the ones him, like, that were making the him league in batting, right? They're like 298 yeah. batting average, 18 homers. Like I hit 21 in Japan last year. And I I've cited multiple times over. Nothing is a one for one, but I've cited Suzuki who went from like 38 homers in the pond and hit 14 this past year. And sure. to think that there's not a, I mean, there's no downtick in production yeah. and drop off on the homers is, is kind of silly, but at the same time, you know, you're going to walk into, I don't know. Uh, Bad X has him at 16 homers. So, John, you you take Yoshida here. What's your thought? How do you rank him? I, I also struggle it's, with him. It's it's very difficult to where I'm ready to take such a leap at an unknown. Granted, into a nice context, but we also have to be careful how, like, what kind of grip we put on these leadoff narratives, right? Jason, yeah, Ross, Chris, yeah. Ross, this guy does phenomenal work. Even if he's correct about every, let's say roster resource nails 100% of the lineup spots. Four days into the season, that could all change anyway, yeah. even if you had it right in the first day. So there is quite there's there's more than one leap of faith going on with Yoshida. Where I'm ready to take the leap, he hasn't gone. So basically, I'm looking at it now. I would need him to get to pick 200 where I'm like, oh, man, I like Riley Green and I like Ramon Laureano who could fill the stat sheet, right? Similar kind of all category guys. He's not lasting that far. Right, so I'll take Yoshida in front of Seth Brown and Andrew Benintendi, who I have don't have a lot of faith in. Jock Peterson, De La Cruz, Morel. You see that drop off there. But before we get there, you got I have to go with the viable, you know, the guys that have a little bit of track record. Like I'd much rather have Taylor Ward if I need pop. I'd much rather have Hunter Renfro, even Harrison Bader if it's a point league. I'd rather have Ian Happ. You know, there's just a lot of guys that are a lot more battle tested. Because this is not a free pick, right? This is not a guy like, yeah. hey, you don't know what we're, you don't know what you're gonna get. You're 300. This this guy's going to the top 150. It's like the hardest no, and you could you can have it. And if you defeat me, you defeat me with that. But to me, I kind of feel most- I kind of feel the same way. Like if I'm wrong and I just passed up on him, okay, that's it. Like I'm just not super interested. Someone on Fantasy Pros has ranked him as the 81st overall player. Like I mean, that, what are we doing? That's where I get lost. Yeah. That's where I get lost. But to be fair, his average, I guess, on Fantasy Pros is 296. So that person is the outlier compared right. to everybody else. 254 on Yahoo. I got him a little bit lower. I agree. My interest is uh, kind of down. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see where he goes. If he truly is leading off and if spring training looks good, I'm willing to go up. But he's just of uh, of disinterest. But I understand why he's a struggle to rank and to value because the projection systems are giving him some pretty wild numbers. Uh, still, though, I would point out those numbers. 
I don't even know if they're top two. They're not top 200. Like, no. If you even look at Steamers, 19 homers or 18 homers, one uh, five stolen bases. It's just separating these outfielders, too, because outfielders get bad. So he seems like maybe he's a value around 200, but maybe he isn't. You know, uh, like you said, when you get to guys that could hit high in the order, new bars in there, Bader, like like you mentioned, too. So it's it's mixing him in the glob. Steamer is maybe a top 150 player projection. The bad X of 16 homers, one stolen base and 283. That's not a top 200 player. That's not a top 200 player. So. That's why I think that's it. All right, so my last three that I, I had put on here after my two main ones of Oscar and Bieber, I had Xander Bogarts, Jake McCarthy, and Lucas Giolito. The Giolito one is I am sometimes a sucker for smart pitchers that understand themselves, and he had a really fascinating interview where he uh, he's already changed. Uh, he had last year changed his motion on how he pitched. He kept his hand really inside, if people remember, and he's already changed that, and he's acknowledged that, and he's been working, uh, I believe, driveline in the offseason. He's just such a good pitcher. That's where my struggle is with him. He's not my main guy. Um, I really don't know where to go with either. I guess we'll go to Xander Bogarts. McCarthy is tough because I kind of believe in Carroll and there's some trade rumors out there. And I think the projections are wild on McCarthy. He might be a one-trick pony too. It would not be surprising. He might be. His cost isn't super a problem. It's not the best. Like I just got him pretty late in the Fantasy Pros thing. When he goes around 100, I don't really like it. So that's what his struggle. NFBC was 124, but you know he was up into like the 67s. Yahoo, he's at 105. I want him around like more like 120 if I can. But my guy is Zane Bogarts, and the Zane Bogarts move I think is tough because the position is so deep. NFBC 86. I've got him a little bit higher. I like the move to San Diego. I like the lineup protection. There's some stuff underlining in there. The contact hitter that he is that he could step back into, you know, getting into some more power. Again, uh, Bad X has got him around 19 homers, 15 stolen bases. It's not elite numbers, though. I kind of just don't know what to do with Sandy Bogarts, John. I don't know if I want to, like, not care. I don't know if I want to push him up because, you know, when Tatis is out, he's going to move a little bit closer up in the lineup. He's got a chance to hit two every freaking day with hitting between Tatis and Machado, which is phenomenal. Runs, I think, could go through. He's projected at 80 runs. I think he could push 100. Yeah. Uh, but I just don't know what to do with him. And I have him a little bit higher than the consensus, but I just don't know if I'm even that interested. What say you? Yeah, I, I I actually wrote him up yesterday, and it sounds like we're along the same kind of lines of confusion. Although my I concluded that I'm not gonna go there. Because again, in five by five, you need homers, you need steals, and I'm not sure we're really getting that. I mean, you got a that was like a full complement of plate appearances, 631, 15 homers, eight steals. That's just not yeah. That's really not it. Granted, very good hitter. He is a legit professional hitter. Guy's very good. So that's where it kind of comes in. So he is going to help you in batting average. There's almost no question of that. But the drag in the other categories, homers and steals, I don't know if he's going to make up for it with the counting stats that, again, I do believe will be there, and I think they're being shortchanged. Because I think because I think the batting average is good and the context is good, I think the runs and ribbies are low. But I don't think the homers and steals are low. I think they might actually be high. And I feel like we just could get what we got again, you know, where steamer's a little bit higher. But that's not going to pay the bills for me. Because if you're taking steps back, and let's say, man, if you end up with 12 homers and six steals or something, you could get that a lot. You could get that a lot later on. And, you know, the power numbers are just 
they're not great. 30% hard hit on fan graphs, 6% barrel, 3% blast. And he had 15 homers on 29 barrels. So he kind of kept up that rate that we're expecting. So again, any like underperformance or regression, poor regression and stuff like that, there's a chance where he just doesn't get it done in five by five. You know, it's interesting. I wrote this up in the black book because it's something I found. He had a 113 max exit velocity and it was only the third time in his career. But one of the things I noted in there was it, it feels very Cattell Marte-ish where it's like he'll have a big EV marker, but then everything else is just kind of sub average on there. But he did end up having the best Woba among all shortstops at 363. And that's just one of those things to kind of monitor with him. Like it's, it's I mean, a high Woba, high potential for runs and RBI in San Diego, but he does feel a little fool's goldie. At least for Cattell, you can kind of explain it away with the EV stuff because he's a switch hitter. Like he just has more power hitting yeah. against lefties from the right side. With Bogarts, it's just all over the place. Uh, he's probably too high for it, John. But do you think he's like a conditional player where you have drafted like Jazz or O'Neill Cruz or, or someone like that, and he's a player you pair with some of those guys that have the extremes of maybe, you know, they're hit or miss guys. Maybe you take Bogarts after you take one or two of those guys, and he kind of becomes a conditional pick. Like I said, once again, probably too high to have that tag, but that's what he feels like to me. He's just got two. He the thing is, the two shortstops going after him also present the possibility to help you in batting average, but are probably a little stronger in the counting categories. So right, Xander is going right near Tim Anderson and Juan DeFranco. So. Let's say I got them with, both over him. Yeah. Let's say, well, let's say with Chris, and you're saying, "Well, I I like what I saw from Wander as far as lift." If you think you're getting, if you think you're getting power speed from Wander, Wander is like Xander, but like years younger with a higher potential. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I'd much rather go that route because I'm afraid. I just I'm a fan. because he's a Red Sox. That Xander contract feels like quite literally one of the worst all time. Yeah. One of the worst all-time contracts ever. I hope, listen, hopefully San Diego gets the ring that they look for and they say, whatever, we don't care. We throw the baby out with the bathwater. But I don't want this guy in two years, let alone 10 or whatever. I'm going to have eyes a couple weeks. I'm going to be eyeing it. John, uh, you did the test. You ran through it. The most difficult players to rank and value. I love it. Uh, On Twitter, John Legacy. John, what do you got going on? You did a slight little mention in there that you got some ranks you're working up. First time you've ever done that. Yeah, I have a, a, well, it's supposed to be a small project turned into a me size project. <laughs> yeah, of course, my me me size mouth and my me size projects. So you just look for it. It's we're gonna, It'll be out the day after the Super Bowl when everybody is ready to make their full on pivot. I'm spending basically every waking moment making this as good as possible. I know there's a lot of publications out there, but I'm going to keep it cheap. $9.99, one-time fee. It's not just rankings. I'm, I'm quite literally writing up every single player. And again, if you know me, I don't just do, I try and overdo. It's all, it's a lot of stuff I was talking about. You know, it's, it's movement profiles and advanced statistics and trajectories and chart analysis and stuff. You know, it's really not player X hit 30 RBIs. Like I don't do that. You know what I mean? It's not my style. I don't like to do again, man, my time is precious. I don't like to waste it. So I feel like if I'm putting the time into it and you're putting the time into it to read it, I I want it to be worth it. So take a look at it after the Super Bowl. You check me on Twitter at John Legaza and then, I should have all types of cool stuff coming at the athletic. I'm uh, pushing to get my show back with Mayo. You know, we had such a great time, man. That show was just off the hook. And I, I not to show for my own stuff, but I guess that's what I'm doing. I think for free, I think it's some of the best baseball content that's free on YouTube. I mean, it's yeah, I hope- like I'm up at the crack of dawn, man. We are really crushing. <laughs> you know? 
Yeah, I hope it's going to be back. I, I am. Uh, make sure you're following him on Twitter. You can follow all the happenings, and John will be back with us uh, in the stuff's season. And things. Stuff's and things. Say stuff and things. Stuff and things. Stuff and things. Oh, yeah. stuff and things. Lots of stuff and things. And hopefully we'll get we'll get John on some uh, Twitch streams, and uh, we'll be back in season. Johnny boy, thank you, my friend, and appreciate oh, you taking you the time. I love you guys, man. I really do always have a place in my heart. I love you guys. Thanks, Johnny. And there you go, friendos. That is the episode. Thank you to John for taking the time out. Very good stuff. John's always got incredible analysis. And I just like chatting with him. He's a great listen. And go and support him. Follow him on uh, Twitter, John Legaza, and wherever the hell he is going and all the chaos that he is doing, I'm there for it. I'm there for the John chaos because that's what I love. Coming up this week. Now, Bogman, I have to ask you, Yahoo did open their platform. Are yeah, but they're not open for drafts. So. Not, and guess what? And you want to know something funny? Antrax is. Fantrax, baby, fantrax.com slash in this league. Fantrax has been open the whole time. ESPN open, and they might as well not have. Yahoo opened up their ranks, and they're not even open for mock drafts, but Fantrax is. Use our promo code. Shout out to them, and we're doing our next mock draft over there, and what are we? I think this is the Roto one, right? Yeah, we're back to Roto. Yep. 15-team Roto, mock draft 5.0. If you're a brand new uh, ITL Army member for the first time, and you're LT or above, hit us up, and we will make as long as you can make it we'll guarantee you a spot so if you sign up as an lt or a bar captain and you're like hey i can make that draft i want to be in bam you got a spot we want to make sure that we give some priority to that that is coming up later in the week we've got some big episodes coming up as well i can tell you it is booked um next week we're gonna be talking to Derek carty about projections so he's gonna be coming on we got more mock drafts hell week is coming up with all our rank previews so it's pretty cool. And I can officially tell you starting next week, I will be on uh, Rates and Barrels on Tuesdays moving forward. That's official. Me, Eno, and DVR, uh, maybe variations of that. It is going to be a Dynasty Prospect future looking forward episode that I will be a part of. So you guys can find me over there as well as I think we're going three days a week on Fantasy Pros. So Fantasy Pros, Rates and Barrels, and right here, with us and CBS. I forgot about that as well. And CBS and uh, of course over at in this league. So thank you guys for the support in this league.com on the Patreon. Do that promo code ITL on underdog. You know, the link on fan tracks, hook the ITL up. We will love you. I'm excited to play some best ball with you guys. So hopefully you want to do it with us over at uh, underdog fantasy. Otherwise, Bogman and myself will talk to you later in the week. for Mockcraft 5.0. Goodbye friends. See you.